בשם השם נעשה ונצליח, שיעור תורה, ברוכים הבאים. Good to be back in Aventura. Another shiur, we are up to Musar Pirkei Avot 116, but as obviously anyone that's new, the shiurim, Baruch Hashem, are not connected one to the other, so you can start at 116, you can start at 1, you can start at 16, you can start anywhere. And uh, even if you learn five minutes or the entire two, three hours that we talk, you get something. And that's the goal with every shiur. The goal with every shiur is to take something home. Take something home, review it, look in the mirror, see if it applies to you, and start implementing it. Because if you go to shiur Torah and you didn't get anything out of it, you wasted your time. And it's actually... The Chachamim say that a speaker, a speaker that was given the gift to speak and didn't say the right things, didn't say the right things, he had an hour with the crowd. He had an hour with the crowd. He had two hours with the crowd. He had three hours with the crowd. Whatever he had. He had a Shabbaton, a cruise, whatever he had with them. And he did not say the right things. He didn't say the right things. The Chachamim say that in Shemaim, when he goes, arrives to Shemaim, he's going to have to pay a din for that. Why? Hashem says, I gave you an hour with 20 people. Now one person did tshuva. Why did I give you the gift of gab? Why did I allow you to even speak? Why did I give you the right language? Why did I give you the knowledge? For what? For you to tiptoe around them? To tell them that they're all tzaddikim? So they don't do tshuva? And this is actually very scary for me. It's very scary because I know that every shiur that I do, my life's on the line. You guys think I'm talking to you the whole time. In reality, I'm talking to myself. You guys happen to be here. And this is a dean on every single speaker. Every single person that speaks to the public, even if it's to one person. He has one-on-one with one person. He teaches chavuta with some person. He has a half hour with him. He has an hour with him. Even if it's a 13-year-old boy and he doesn't tell him something that's going to affect his life to do tshuva, he has to pay a deen for that. It's very scary. Now, some people are going to say, wait a minute, eh, maybe that's a Baale Musal said this. Maybe the Baale Musal, they're a little hard on us. But the, the, the Hasidut doesn't say this. It's not true. Anyone that says such a thing doesn't learn Hasidut. As a matter of fact, some of the biggest Baalei Musa were Hasidim. We're sitting in Breslov Center. People should learn Lekutei Maharan. Lekutei Maharan. You see what Rabbi Nachman Breslov said? It's very scary. Very scary. He says that um, in Torah Kafbet, he says that one of the jobs of a person that's teaching people is to rebuke. Rebuke the people. But what about everybody's tzaddikim? What about that notion? So it's not, not everybody's tzaddikim. There's rashaim in the world. There's actually to such an extent that he also says in another place in the Kutem Aran, there's some people that make so many sins that they can't even make mitzvot. They've made so many sins that they cannot use their chokhmah to make mitzvot. It's always, Yetzirah always interferes the last minute. The chokhmah is, 
tainted. And he says, actually, when the tzaddik, when the person that's teaching is going to go to Hashem Barach, he should say, Hashem, the tzaddikim, they don't mean it. They're, they're babies. They don't know. Somebody stole them. Somebody this. They don't know. What, what's the big... Okay, so they made a sin. Hashem, a lot of you make sins. They're not that bad. But when he goes to the people... When he goes to the people, he makes it much worse. He says, you guys are Rishayim. What did you do? You went against Hashem. You did this, you did this, you did this. He makes it much worse than what it really is, actually. He makes it worse than what it is. Where do we learn this from? Moshe Rabbeinu. Rabbi Nachman Breslev uses Moshe Rabbeinu as an example, saying, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say? In Sefer Shmot, he goes to Hashem, he goes, Hashem, okay, so they made a sin, big deal. They made a sin, big deal. Okay, well, you're going to destroy all of them. They made a sin. Okay, they made a sin. But when he came to Am Yisrael, he said to them, what would you do? You made a big sin. Not just a sin, you made a big sin. What do we see? What do we learn from here? What does Rabbi Nachman Breslov say? You go to Hashem, yeah, you learn, you, you give them schut. Yeah, come on, Hashem, fight for them. But please, 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 fight for Am Yisrael. Moser nefesh to Am Yisrael. But when you go to Am Yisrael... Tell them, guys, you're not so good. Time to do tshuva. This is not so easy today. This is not so easy because a lot of people only learn one verse, one line, one paragraph, an entire book, and they summarize the rest of the book. They summarize the rest of the book. And the we did on Sunday, we talked a little bit more about this. And Bezal Hashem will continue mentioning some other sources today in other shiurim to explain to people that if a source is not given more times than not it's not true if you hear somebody speak and they tell you everything is great if they haven't provided a source 100% of the time it's their opinion it's very dangerous to take a person's opinion and the reason why is because their opinion is human. It's not complete. Now, how do we know that Hashem not only wants, but expects completion in our mitzvot, in our words, in our speeches, in our communication between husband and wife? How do we know? How do we know Hashem expects this? We learn it from Parashat Chukat, this week's parasha. Parashat Chukat, Says Vayidaber Adonai el Moshe ve'el Aaron le'emor zot chukat atorah. Zot chukat atorah. This is the decree of the entire Torah. The Chachamim say chukat also has the same root of the word chakuk. Chakuk means engraved. Says a Jew needs to treat the Torah not like it's handwriting, where you write just you put the uh, ink on the paper or paint on the paper, or on the wall. Why? That's erasable. There's water, all types of things, all types of chemicals come. Eventually, the, the, the ink goes away. The ink goes away. Hashem says this, this whole Torah has to be engraved, meaning it becomes part of you. When you engrave something, when you engrave something, there's no way to undo it. Why? You've taken a piece of the rock, or whatever material, 
off and you've made whatever you've engraved part of it. You can't erase it. It's you. Now, this is you. Yeah, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it's you already. It's you. This is the Torah. And where does he say it? How come he doesn't say it when we got the Ten Commandments? He didn't say, hey, these are the Ten Commandments. Zot chukat Torah. He didn't say, oh, these are the Ten Commandments. This is the Torah. He didn't say that. When does he say it? He said it on the mitzvah of Paraduma. What's the significance? Shlomo HaMelech was gifted Chokhmah bigger than all people that ever existed and ever will exist until Mashiach will come. Chachamim say that the Mashiach will have Chokhmah bigger than Shlomo. But Shlomo had, if it wasn't written, we wouldn't be allowed to say it, Chokhmah literally one level below God. Something that is unfathomable for us to understand. And he thought, with all of his chokhmah, that he understood the entire Torah. He understood the entire Torah. But if you look at Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 23, Shlomo says, I said I would be wise, but it is far from me. I thought I was going to be wise. I thought I knew the whole thing. But now I know it's far from me. What is he talking about? So the first explanation is he's talking about Parah Duma. He says, I thought I knew the whole Torah, but now I arrived at this mitzvah of Parah Duma, this red heifer, and I realized I have no idea what's going on here. What do you mean? It's just you take the Parah, you burn it, you add a few things to it, like Hashem said, everybody's pure, what's the problem? No. Not the while you read the rest of the verse, you say, wait a minute, the guy that purified everyone, he's Tameh. What do you mean? But he, but he purified everyone. Yeah, now he's Tameh. What happened? He, he stepped on the mud? He stepped on, uh, on a dead... No, no, he's Tameh. Okay, fine, he's Tameh. All right, what about... It and what happens then? Because the guy that helped him, he's also Tameh. But well, he didn't do anything. He helped him, he's Tameh. And the guy that helped him, he's also Tameh. So you're the pure become impure... And the impure becomes pure. Shlomo Amel says this doesn't make any sense to a human being. Even with my chokhmah. This, I thought I was wise. I thought I knew the whole Torah. But now I know it's far from me. Lama far from me. He says it's not just a paraduma. It's the entire Torah. Meaning, I thought the Torah is supposed to be logical at all times. And I realized I was wrong. Sometimes there are things that are very logical. It's logical why you should keep kosher. It's logical why you should be modest as a woman. It's logical why you're supposed to be modest as a man. It's logical why you're supposed to have tarat mishpacha, family purity. It's logical. But it's not logical why Hashem cares if you wear shatniz. It's not logical why... You could drive a car six days a week, but you can't drive the car on the seventh day. You can't drive a car on Shabbat. It's not logical. You can tell me it's fire. Okay. So what? It's good for us. So I can't. So why try to shut it off the whole week then? If it's so bad, if it's so bad to drive a car on Shabbat, let me just be a machmir. Let me just not drive the whole car the whole week. Let me live in a little igloo in Greenland. You see, Rabotai, that Shlomo Melech is trying to understand 
and then he realized he doesn't understand. What does he understand? He doesn't understand the entire Torah. Why? Because he thought it's supposed to be logical. And the Torah is not logical. There are many things that are logical about the Torah. But we do not perform those mitzvot because they're logical. The only reason, and I repeat, the only reason, not one of the reasons, not the main reason, the only reason why we perform the mitzvot of the Torah is because Hashem said so. That's it. Anything you use on top of it to give yourself chizuk, ashrecha, good for you. But tachlis, bottom line, because Hashem said so. That's the only reason. And this is why the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat says that Hashem only created the world for you to fear Him. Meaning, if you lived 60, 70, 80, 90 years, 120 years, and you had Yirat Shamaim, it was worth it for Him to create the entire world, just for you. But if you lived 120 years and you did not, you did not achieve Yirat Shamaim, it was better off for Him to destroy the whole world. Why? The whole world only exists because He wants us to fear Him. Now there's different levels of fear. But nonetheless, a person needs to understand that fear is the first step in our relationship with Hashem. It's the first step. Because that means we understand what we're dealing with here. You don't fear Hashem, how are you going to do what He wants? Oh, I like Him. Okay, what happens if you don't like Him? Oh, I love Him. What happens if you don't love Him anymore? You woke up on the left side of the bed. You need shrimp? Because you don't like him today? You're going to date a non-Jew because you have some financial problems? Like him. A lot of people like each other and they get divorced. No, but I really loved him. Okay, until you didn't. Loving Hashem is not a foundation. Loving Hashem is something you hope to get to after you have fear of Hashem. Now, in today's world, people don't like to teach this type of Torah. And the reason why is because it puts everybody in check. Everyone looks in the mirror and says, wait a minute, I got to do tshuva. Yeah, but I've been religious my whole life. Exactly. You got to do tshuva now. You've been religious your whole life, now it's time to do tshuva. I never did any mitzvot. Okay, so it's time to do tshuva. You and the religious guy are all in the same boat. Everybody has to do tshuva. Zot chukata Torah. That's the entire Torah. Why? Until you've made the Torah you, you have not done you have not done tshuva. You have not become the full potential of you. Now, anyone that thinks that their understanding of the Torah is more correct than what was just said, then they have to go and debate. The entire Gemara, the entire Shulchan Aruch, Shlomo HaMelech, Hashem Himself. And it could be a very expensive battle to fight. Now, one of the ways, one of the ways that's a critical step, a critical tool for a person to use in order to get to tshuva, in order to get to the truth, is through their rabbi. And the reason why is because a good rabbi, he is going to be your vessel of truth. He's going to be your source of truth. You're going to be the vessel. He's going to be your source of truth. You're going to find out emet and sheker from him. 
Why? He is the one that spent his life learning, his energy learning, identifying kasher and tameh, sifting through the falsehood, and bringing you a ready-made dish. To such an extent that the Gemara in Masechet Yevamot, page 109b, says that whoever decides to rely on his own knowledge, learns Torah on himself, learns learns books, he has all these books, and more books, and books, and books, and books. People like to buy books today, Baruch Hashem. He has all these books, even though he only learns on his phone. And uh, he says, listen, if I want to know something, I'll just go open a book. Or uh, Rabbi Google. What do I need a rabbi for? This is a person that relies on his own knowledge instead of consulting with a rav is despised by God. No more, no less. Despised. Despised means Hashem hates him. Why? Because this is a person that has so much ego that he assumes that everything he says is going to be right. He assumes everything he's going to say is going to be right. When he opens the book and he reads... The Gemara, he assumes that what he understood is right. When he opens the Shukhan Aruch, he opens the book, he said, Allah such and such, he thinks he understands everything like it's supposed to be said. Okay, I can judge for myself. I know how to conduct business kosher. I know how to conduct Shabbat kosher. I know how to conduct marriage kosher. I know how to conduct... Okay, if I can do everything myself. I don't need a rabbi. Hashem hates such a person. Why? Because number one, it shows that he has bad midot shows that he has no humility. And humility is one of the stepping stones to become something special in this world. It's the ultimate stepping stone. Humility is the key to become a vessel to earn Torah. For Hashem to give you Torah, you have to be humble. Just like Mount Sinai was the most humble mountain. Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble man. Each one of the giants in every generation, you will see, was always the most humble. Why? Once the more humble you are, the more Hashem wants to give you more Torah, the truth. But once you think you have it, you know it, and you, you can you could be your own Rashi, your own Tosfot, your own uh, Rambam, your own Posek, your own Rebbe, your own uh, Mashgiach, your own uh, lecturer, your own Mechazek, everything... Already we know you failed miserably on rule number one. You have no midot. The second thing is, is that a person like this has such lack of yirat shamayim that he's so confident in his own judgment ability that he says, listen, I'm going to go to the grave with this decision. Meaning that if he made a decision that's wrong, and according to the Torah, it's death penalty. And he made a wrong decision. He could be making this decision for 70 years. Every week, he's a Mechalel Shabbat, but he thinks he's a tzaddik. Every week, he thinks he's tzaddik, but in reality, he's a Mechalel Shabbat, just as the guy that's driving. But he has such a big ego, he does not allow himself to learn. does not allow himself to get out of his own way. And he can never be a person that's called a Baal Tshuva. You never have the merit of being a Baal Tshuva. Why? He doesn't get out of his own way. 
Sometimes you see people going to Shuret Torah for 20 years. Nothing's changed. Still don't have Kisui Rosh. Still don't have Tzitzit on. Still walk around with a bathing suit. Still walk around as if Hashem is not real. Still. No, but I went to this year three times this week. You're better off not going. Why? It's not affecting you. It's the wrong shiur. You're the wrong person. Something's wrong. You went to shiur for 20 years. Nothing changed. Something's wrong. And Chachamim said that part of that fault is the rabbi's fault. Why? How are you going to teach somebody for so many years and he hasn't changed? How is it possible? One of the big rabbis, one of the big rabbis in Israel was learning Chavuta with one of the Anashi, one of the people that was a Chavir Knesset, was in the Israeli government, but was known to be a Kofil, known to be Mamash a heretic, but not only a heretic, a heretic that hated religious people. Everything he did was anti-religious. He would always go for the laws that made the life of the yeshiva boys miserable. He would always make the laws that make the life of the religious people more miserable, take money, all types of things. Now, most people thought he never learned a word of Torah. They just thought maybe just a self-hating Jew. Unfortunately, we have many of them. Erev the Smolanim, the lefty liberals. But then one day, Rabbi Vadya Lava Shalom finds out he actually is learning Chavuta with a big rabbi. That's ahead of a yeshiva. He calls the rabbi. He tells him, aren't you, aren't you learning with such and such? He says, yeah, sure. He goes, how long ago? Why don't you, why don't you tell him that he's making the life of the yeshiva, the bachurim, the religious community miserable? Tell him to stop. No, tell him. He goes, no, no, we don't talk politics. We don't talk politics for the Rav. He goes, what do you mean you don't learn politics? He says, Torah. He's making the life of Am Yisrael miserable. What, what, what politics? has nothing to do with politics. He goes, no, for the Rav. When we come, we learn. So Ovadi asked him, wait, how long are you learning with him? He thought maybe he's learning with him for like two weeks or two months or maybe even uh, six months. So it's like, oh, okay, so it's not, we're, not, we're not comfortable with each other yet to talk politics maybe. He's trying to like, you know, slowly but surely get him in. You know, some people, they want to go like a snail. They figure they're going to live 190 years, so we're going to go slowly but surely. Every week, we're going to teach you one letter of the alphabet. Every week. By the time you finish the alphabet, you're 190 years old. Because you have the Nikud, the Bet, the Vet, the Bu. No, it's not just the the, the, the one. <laughs> No, the vowels also. By the time you finish, you're 190 years old. Every week. What about Shabbat? No, no, we haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah, but he's not... Uh, what do you think? He's Metushelach. We think he's Metushel, he's going to live a thousand years. What, what's the matter? No, le'at, 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 little by little. What's little by little? When is he going to know how to be a Jew? So Rabbi Vadya didn't know how long is he studying with us. He asked him, how, how long are you learning Chavuta with this Kofel? So, Kvodara, we're probably learning almost 20 years together. Rabbi Vadya told him, you are no longer allowed to study with him ever. What? I learned 20 years, my chavuta, I teach him, my student. You're not, I'm telling you, by law, according to the Torah, you're not allowed to learn. Your Torah is poison to him. What do you mean? It's a big, big Talmud Chacham. How can it be? Your Torah is poison to him. Why? It's not affecting him. 
if you haven't affected him after after a year, forget twenty years. After a year, nothing's changed. There's already a problem. Rashi says if you haven't advanced in five years of learning Torah, you should move on to something else. Just learn how to be a basic level Jew. Don't be don't don't bother. Why? What kind of Torah are you learning? If you're teaching people in shiurim, in classes, and so on, 20 years, they're still mechalel Shabbat, it's you that's the problem, the teacher. And that's what a lot of people don't like to hear. Why? Because it talks about the person that's speaking. It's easy to talk about you guys. So now, a person needs to know that if he's going to learn Torah, it has to move him. It has to shake him. He has to take a few notes that he knows this one. I don't even need to write it down. I'm going to write it because I want to make sure I remember it. But I don't even need to. This is already engraved in my mind. It shook me up in this you. Shook me up. I can't believe he said that. Every shiur should be, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe this is true. I can't believe Hashem command. Why? Because it has to shock your system to such an extent. It says, I can't believe I've been living a lie for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Until now, I found out the truth. If the entire shiur, nothing happened like that, More times than not, it's the teacher. But sometimes it's the student too. Sometimes the student is spiritually lazy. He comes to the shiur like we talked about in the last few weeks. There are different types of students. Some students that are angry. Some students get angry fast. Some students forgive fast. Some students catch on quickly. You tell them something, they catch on exactly what you said, but they forget it right away. Some students, they don't get it right away. You have to repeat it 400 times, like I'll be played as a student. But he got it after 400 times. Different types of students. So this Mishnah in Avot is going to give us another four types of students. Meaning, another detail within the same type of four There's four students. There's four different types of people. And this is another variation within them. This is Mishnah Hey Yudzain 517. No, I'm sorry. This is 518. 518. We did 517 last week. 518. So it says, Arba Chachamim. Sfog. I'll translate momentarily. Sfog, shu sofeget akol. Mashpech, shemachnis bezo, mozi bezo. Meshemeret, shemoziya et a yain, vekoletet et a shmarin. Venafa, shemoziya et a kemach, vekoletet et a solet. Translation. There are four types among those who sit before the sages. A sponge, a funnel, a strainer, and a sieve. As you can see, these are all analogies. These are all analogies of the different type of logic 
ability of a person. A sponge absorbs everything. A funnel, which lets every, which lets in from one and lets out from the other. This is where they got the expression "one ear out the other," proving again that anything that has any wisdom in it or any good in it must come from the Torah. A strainer lets the wine flow through and retains the sediment, meaning it. All the good comes out, only keeps the bad. Three hours the guy spoke, he only got the one word he made a mistake on. What about the other three hours? What about the other two hours and 59 minutes and sixty sec- and, uh, 49 seconds? Oh, I'm not sure, I don't remember. But he said that one word, it really offended me. Okay, so the 11 seconds offended you. What about the other three hours? Oh, I don't know, it was offended. Yeah, but it only happened at the end. Yeah, but I thought I was going to be offended the whole time. And the sieve, which allows the flower dust to pass through and retains the fine flower. This is the best of the best. This is the one that all the bad, out. It's able to decipher good and bad. All the bad goes out, only retains the good. Okay, so, as we do with Kedusha, we're going to go into the details of each one of these words. What, who, what, when, mean against me, who's against who, what does it all mean, why did the Chachamim write it this way? What else can we learn from the parasha? We will try to understand how this all applies to us right now. First and foremost, it says, There are four types among those who sit before the sages. So, Rav and Tiferet Israel both say that this is addressing the comprehension and retention of a person. And this is the uh, power of logic and ability to discern one item or an idea from another. In other words, called Bina. Bina. This is Bina. It's a person, you teach him something, and he should be able to get something else out of it, not just the basics. He should be able to learn something beyond the basic. For example, if I told you that, oh yeah, Steve came into the house and uh, he put uh, mud all over my carpet from his shoes. Someone that has logic, Bina, what is he going to think? Oh, it must be raining outside. It either must be raining outside, so it made the, 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 the sand into mud, or he must have stepped, it must have rained earlier today. And there's puddles, and he stepped on a puddle, and then on sand, and therefore he has mud, and then mud's on my carpet now. And now my wife is going to kill him or me, whichever happens first. But he also came up to that. You understand? Why? Because you have a brain, you have logic, you can use your logic. But Midrash Shmuel takes it another step. It says this is very interesting because unlike the last few Mishnayot that are specifically talking about Talmidim, students, this one is not calling them Talmidim. It's not calling them students. If you notice, it says, 
four types among those who sit in front of the sages. Meaning instead of calling them Talmidim, it's calling them four types of people that sit before the sages. This is trying to teach us that the key to success is to remain constantly in the presence of a person's teacher. Now, there is a concept in the Torah called Shimush. Shimush. The Gemara in Masechet Brachot, page 7b, says that Shimush is more significant than Limud. Now, we know that learning Torah is a Keneged Kulam. We know that learning Torah is a big deal. We know Torah is a big deal to learn Torah. But, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, meaning the original source, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, G'dola Shmusha Shel Torah Yoter Milimuda. Attending to those who study Torah is greater than studying Torah under them. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, Attending, helping the rabbi, your teacher, and being close to him constantly is more important than learning from him. Learning is Torah. Wait a minute, didn't you just say learning Torah is the most important? It's the only way you can know yes, no, do, do, what? So where do we, where, is there a source for this? Okay, it's in the Gemara. Where's the source? We have a few sources. We see in the book of Kings 2, chapter 3, verse 11, we see that <clears throat> Elisha, Elisha Navi, Elisha Navi, who was his rabbi? Eliyahu Navi. Who says, Hashem says, who's going to come to us before Mashiach? Eliyahu Navi. He says in the book of Zechariah, Hashem says, before Mashiach comes, three days before Mashiach comes, I'm going to send you Eliyahu Navi. This is why it's a minag to say Eliyahu Navi, Eliyahu Navi, in all types of uh, repetitions of, uh, how, of uh, different things for Eliyahu Navi at Mutzay Shabbat. So, Eliyahu Navi is a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, his student is Elisha Navi. And Elisha Navi, if you guys remember, maybe a month or two ago, I showed you the verse that even after Elisha Navi died and they buried him, the Goim had a war and one of the people died. One of the people died, so they wanted to bury him. But then the other, the enemy came to attack, so they didn't have enough time to, to bury him properly. They just threw him into a hole, not knowing that that hole was a grave of Elisha Navi, Elisha the prophet. And as soon as the dead person's body touched the dead body of Elisha Navi, he came back to life. Such was the holiness of Elisha Navi, the student of Eliyahu Navi. Now, such a person, you would think that the Torah is saying Elisha Navi, Kodesh Kodeshim, the greatest of great, all types. I don't know, tzaddik, but all types of machmaot, all types of uh, adjectives that describe how great he is. Right? What does it say? It says, the verse says, 
פה אלישע בן שפט, אשר יצק מים על ידי אליהו. Here is אלישע, the son of שפט, who put water on the hands of Elijah. That's how we remember him by. Elisha, the prophet. Who is he? Oh, he's the one that puts some water on Eliyahu Nabi. That's how we remember. That's how you remember Elisha. Yes, that's how we remember him. What do you mean? Yes, the fact that he was so close to Eliyahu Nabi that he actually would put water, wash his hands. That's the big deal. Yeah, but he, he learned from him too. Oh, okay, he learned from him. Where else do we see? Where else do we see? We also see from Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, Kodesh Kodeshim, one of the 13 principles of faith. There's no such prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu. The 10 remembrances are full of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's, it's kind of Moshe Rabbeinu, it's Torah Moshe. The Torah is named after Moshe. Now who took over after Moshe Rabbeinu? Wasn't one of his sons? Eliezer, no? Gershon, no? Who was it? Yeshua ben Nun. Yeshua ben Nun. Yeshua ben Nun. Who is Yeshua ben Nun? Yeshua ben Nun was a person that everyone was surprised Hashem picked him. Why? He was called Ksil. What's Ksil? Fool. He was called a fool. Mamash, he was called a fool. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be allowed to say such a thing. When Moshe Rabbeinu came to Hashem, Hashem, maybe one of my sons, Eliezer, Kershom, the Tzadikim, I wouldn't tell you to pick them if they weren't Tzadikim. Hashem says, no, no, I picked. It's going to be Yeshua Ben-Nun. Yeshua Ben-Nun. And if all he needs is Chokhmah, he needs wisdom, I'll give it to him. Like that, Dolado. In one second, became the biggest giant in all Am Yisrael. One second. What's a, it's a big deal for Hashem to give him all the wisdom in the world? I'm going to give him some of you. Some of Moshe Rabbeinu went into Yeshua Benun. Why? Why'd you pick him? Why'd you pick him? Because Yeshua Benun, what is he called? The attendant of Moshe. Yeshua Benun led Ami Israel to go into Eretz Israel. Kodesh Kodeshim. Had, uh, I mean, unbelievable success helping Ami Sa'ed. Hashem split the river for him. Broke a wall for him. Miracle after miracle after miracle became Gedol Adol. What do we call him instead of calling him, oh, Yeshua ben Nun, Tzadik, Kadosh, Chachab. What do we call them? Oh, Yeshua ben Nun. Yeah, Yeshua ben Nun. The attendant of Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? That's the big deal. That's the big deal. Yes, the fact that he learned from Moshe Rabbeinu is good. Yes, the fact that he was a leader is good. But the big deal in the eyes of Hashem is that he was the attendant of Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because if you're learning from the rabbi, it's good. But once you are mishamish the rabbi, once you're helping him, that means you're becoming glued to him. That means you're going to learn things from him that you can't learn from the Jew. Because sometimes you can have a shiur with a rabbi, and it's not always relevant to life. Sometimes a certain halachot, you're going to learn, let's say, halachot of Bet HaMikdash. Unfortunately, we don't have the Bet HaMikdash right now. So you're still supposed to learn it, but you can't really apply it to your life. 
Sometimes you're going to learn certain halachot that are not necessarily applicable to your life. Halachot of the Kwanim, halachot of Korbanot, halachot of different things. Different lessons that are not really applicable to you. So, not all of the learning from your Rebbe is always going to be applicable. But, all of the lessons that you're going to learn from the Rebbe, by looking at him, all of them are applicable. Why? You're going to see him apply the Torah to life. You're going to see, take all those books, minimize them to this action. How do you behave when the judge yelled at you? He embarrassed you in public. He went to a civil judge. All these judges, they're all ashamed, everyone after another. They, they treat people like, uh, they, oh, I just got a parking ticket, what's the problem? Hey, he treats you like you're a criminal, you just murdered 80 people. Yeah, but isn't it uh, innocent until proven guilty? I went to a court a few weeks ago. One of the people came up, I was waiting, you know, I was uh, waiting. One of the people comes, he starts, before the case even starts, he's the judge starts yelling at the lawyer, like Mamash, like he just killed like a slew of people on the way there and there's blood stains on his feet. Why? He forgot to wear a tie. That's it. That's it. That's all, that's all happened. He starts yelling, how are you disrespecting my court? Why, you didn't read the bar? You're supposed to... We have a case with people's lives on the line. You care about me wearing a stupid string around my neck? Sometimes a person, if let's say that person was a rabbi of a person, and a student was there watching his rabbi getting embarrassed in public, if the rabbi flipped out, lost his mind, then the student knows, ah, this rabbi is fake. His whole Torah is nice, it's nice, theoretical, but in practice it's fake. He's a fake tzaddik. It's a tzaddik from the books, but not in reality. But if he kept his composure and he handled himself and so on and so forth, then, oh, that's something to learn. Same thing. Something bad happens in a person's life. There's accidents. There's financial issues. There's no shortage, unfortunately, of, of, of bad things that happen in people's lives. If every single time a bad thing happens... You see, the uh, the rabbi can't make it to a shiul. The rabbi is taking off for the week. The rabbi is stressed out. Then maybe the rabbi needs a rabbi. Maybe he should go to a shiul. And that's one of the first things that I learned several years ago that they didn't tell me when I first signed up to this. A rabbi doesn't have a day off. You want to be a real rabbi? There's no days off. It's 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and if there was a 25th day, you work that too. A 25th hour, you'd work that one also. An 8th day, you'd work that one also. There's no vacation. Why? Because you do not, you do not have the luxury that the regular people that depend on you have. You don't have the luxury to flip out. You don't have the luxury to be depressed. You don't have the luxury to oversleep. You don't have the luxury to really say what you want. 
People ask you, oh, so what do you feel about this? Oh, let me tell you how I feel about this one. Since you asked. You don't have that luxury. Why? You are the Torah for them. You're either going to be Kiddush Hashem or Kiddush Hashem. And this is also another thing that we learned from this parasha. Hashem takes that very seriously. We see that after Miriam dies, Kodesh Kodeshim, Am Yisrael did not mourn the death of the tzaddikah. And the Gemara says, one of the reasons that Hashem kills little children is because their parents did not mourn the death of a kosher person. Even more so if they did not mourn the death of a tzaddik or a tzaddikah. If a tzaddik or a tzaddikah died and you didn't cry about it, it's a problem. Now, such a person like Miriam died, and Am Yisrael doesn't say that Am Yisrael mourned her. After Aaron died in Sim Parasha, it says that Am Yisrael mourned 30 days. Miriam died, nothing. What does it say next? It says, though, the, uh, the water stopped. Why? Because the whole merit of the water that we got, the river that followed Am Yisrael for 40 years, was her merit. And Hashem said, oh, you don't realize that the whole water that I give you, the river that's been following you to the mountain, on top of the mountain, down the mountain, in the mountain, all the mountain, in the desert, everywhere. Oh, you don't realize it's all hard schut, it's none of your schuts. It has nothing to do with the rest of you. It's all because of how you don't realize it. Oh, okay, I'll remind you. How? I'm going to stop it. She's dead. There's no more merit. So now Ami Sled starts crying, Vaikalu al Moshe They all gathered together, wanted to kill Aaron and Moshe. You want to kill them? Hashem says, "Kach et amate, vakhel et aeda, ata vaaron achicha vedibartem el asela." Take the staff and gather together the assembly, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak to the sela, speak to the rock. As everyone knows, the famous story. Moshe does not speak to the Sela, but instead he hits it. Vayare Moshe et yado vayach et asela b'mateu. Moshe raises his arm and struck the rock with his staff twice. Chachamim say, why did he, why did he do it? Because this was one of the few moments in Moshe's life that he got angry. Because the people were annoying him. Because he started talking and the sailor didn't do it. So he thought he didn't get the right sailor. He didn't find the right rock. The rock was hiding. And he was like, ah, you can't do it. Ah, they were making fun of him. And he's trying to help them. They ask him a sheila. They ask him a question in the halacha. The question, where is this in the Gemara? Oh, I think it's in this place. Show me, show me. Okay, let me get a show. You go to the book, you start looking. Ah, you can't find it, right? Okay, give me a second. I only had the book for 30 seconds. Relax. Usually I have hours. You ask me for 30 Waiting on Google? Relax, let me get the book. Give me some time. I'll read. Ah, you don't have it. You don't have it, right? Again, egging him on, egging him on. Even more so, Moshe Rabbeinu, he saved Am Yisrael. Moshe gets mad. 
gets mad and he hits the sela, he hits the rock, and the rock pours out water. And you would think this is Kiddush Hashem. It's good. The water comes out. No. Vayomer Adonai Moshe Aaron, Yan lo emantem bi, laktisheni leeni bnei Yisrael lachen, lo taviu et ha'ka'al hazeh el ha'aretz asher natati lahem. Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, because you did not believe in me. Moshe and Aaron did not believe in Hashem. If they didn't believe in Hashem, who believes in them then? You didn't have a in me. How? Why? You had a difficulty? You had a difficulty? You broke. You had a difficulty. Yet a moment, uh, people are annoying. They're really annoying. I mean, I was very annoying. And I'm telling you from experience, a little bit I have, and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Still annoying. But there are Shemesh kids, what can you do? I'm one of the annoying ones too, by the way. That's how you know you're a Jew. You have to be annoying. But, Rabotai, moment, they're annoying. Moshe gets angry. Hashem says, you didn't have a munai in me. Why? You don't have the right as a leader to be annoyed publicly. You can be annoyed inside. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself that you're annoyed. Keep it to yourself that you're angry. Why? You have no right. Why? Because now, if you would have done what I said and you had full emunah in me and you would have withstood everything and you would have looked and looked and looked and eventually you would have gotten it. But now that you didn't, you hit it and that missed an opportunity to sanctify my name. You did not believe in me to sanctify my name in the eyes of children of Israel. What do you mean? But the water came out of the, of the rock. It's not Kiddush Hashem. No. Why? Because I did this already, Hashem says. Last time I sent you to the rock, I told you to hit it. You hit it. Water came out. This time, I want you to speak to it. Why? Because if you hit it again, like he did the first time, then I say, oh, it's probably like a trick that Moshe has. He hits the, he hits, he hits the rock, it's like a trick. It's like a magic trick. Yes, yeah, a magic trick. It's like a magic stick. It has nothing to do with Hashem. Why? He did this already. It's like old news. Oh, he gave us this chidush already. So, oh, he doesn't really know much, this rabbi. Oh, that story? Yeah, you told us this story. When? Like three and a half years ago, you told us this story. Oh, okay, that the whole show is one story? No, no, I'm just saying. You just said that one story before. Okay, so the whole, the whole thing is garbage then? You said this story already. That's why it keeps, keeps the rat behind his toes. That's to give good stories. New ones. Or depend on you guys forgetting. But now, Moshe Rabbeinu uses the same thing. He hits it again. Hashem says, ah, someone in the crowd, there's millions and millions of people. Even if all of them are ecstatic. Wow, we have water. We're not going to die uh, all the, uh, the stress is down. The stock market's back up. Everybody's good. Wow. Who? But there's one guy, one menuval, one guy, one despicable person. Ah, oh yeah, you did that already. You, you told us that story already. One guy. It's millions of people. One guy. No, no, I think you said that already. I think you said, he says, ah, that's a little bit less. Not a lot. A little bit less Kiddush Hashem. A little bit less Kiddush Hashem. And in the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, a little bit of Kiddush Hashem is a lot. Hashem says, you missed out on an opportunity to sanctify my name. Punishment for that. What? You are not going to be the one that takes the dead.
So from here, Rabotai, we learn a critical lesson. Anyone that's a speaker, anyone that's a Rebbe, anyone that's a Rabbi, anyone that's a whatever you are, that leads anyone, even if you teach one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and kids, has to realize he has to be a little mini Moshe Rabbeinu. Meaning, you have no more you. There's no more you. There's no more you. You cannot express you. Why? Because you are flawed. And the minute that the student sees you and him the same, he's no longer a student. Once the student thinks that, oh, yeah, me, me, me and the rabbi, yeah, yeah, we're boys, like this. Yeah, we'll, yeah we talk, we chill, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. We had barbecue last week, he came to my wedding, it's my boy, it's my dad. Hey. No longer a student, everything. Might as well tell him, don't come to class anymore. Do me a favor. Why? You're ruining the rest of the students. They're going to think the same thing. Once the rabbi becomes friends with the students, they're no longer students. You ruin the whole thing. You ruin the whole thing. And then they start making big sins. What's a big sin, Rabotai? Big sin, usually we talk about. Big sin. Talk about Chilul Shabbat. Somebody driving on Shabbat. It's big sin. Right? Somebody eats not kosher. It's big sin. Somebody's not modest. Big sin. These are big sins. Does anybody think that not coming to a shiur Torah is a big sin? Again, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying sin. There's going to a shiur Torah. We already know. Gemara Maseret Berchot says, you get schar alicha, you get rewards for going. It's mitzvah. You learn Torah. Good. Right? But what about if you don't go? Is it a sin it's not a big deal. It's like, okay, I didn't go. I'll watch it on YouTube. I'll watch it on YouTube. I'll watch it on BezalTashem.org. I'll watch it on Facebook Live. Is it a sin? Does anybody here honestly, honestly think it's a sin? No, right? Let's see what the Torah says. Let's see what the Torah says. Now, Yeshua Benun was called the attendant of Moshe Rabbeinu. Elisha Navi was called the person that watered the hands of Eliyahu Navi. Rabbi Yakadosh, Rabbi Yudanasi, says that all of his wisdom is thanks to the fact that he saw his teacher, Rabbi Meir from behind. And he says, I would have been much greater if I saw his front. And I'm sorry for that. I guess there was some type of seating arrangement and he always saw him from the back. He said, I saw the back of my teacher. I was close enough to learn the entire Mishnah, write the Mishnah for everybody, for the whole, all of generations forever. Meaning to be close to the rabbi, big deal. So now, now, what about if someone doesn't think it's a big deal? He says, listen, I'll be... I'll go to Shia once in a while. If I don't go, I'll watch it on YouTube. If I don't go, I'll get the next one. There's always going to be another one. The Gemara in Masechet Sanhedrin, page 99a, says, Kol she'efshar la'asok betorah ve'no osek, anyone that can do something, can fulfill 
part of the Torah, but does not. Doesn't do it. Dino kidvar Hashem baza. They judge him in Shemaim after the Pasuk that we learned recently in Parashat Shalach. Kidvar Adonai baza. What does it say here? In chapter 15, book of Numbers, Bamidbar, verse 31, it says, The Chachamim say a person that can fulfill a mitzvah to get schar alicha to go to Shur Torah, to get closer to a rabbi and chooses not to. To give stakah, but he says, I'll do it next month. To learn, but he says, no, you know what, I'll watch it. I'll do it after the game. I'll do it after the game. I have a mitzvah now. No, but I'll do it after the game. Says this person is judged for he scorned the word of Hashem and broke his commandment. That person will surely be cut off. Karet. His sin is upon him. A person could literally lose their ulama ba for such a thing. This was a chidush for me. I thought it was not good. I had no idea until I learned this gemara. It's so bad. Why? Why is it so bad? Why is it so bad to miss a shiur? Why is it so bad to miss out an opportunity to, to, to do a mitzvah? Why? Bazayet mitzvah Hashem. Treated Hashem's mitzvot with disrespect. It's not number one. It's not a priority. I'll do when I get a chance. I'll do when I get like you're doing Hashem a favor. I'll give you a ride when I finish work. I'll send you the check as soon as soon as I as soon as I get done and I and I take my kids to school and I make sandwiches and I talk to my wife for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. And I do all those things. Then I'll, 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 I'll hopefully I'll remember to, to, to do something. What did you say again? I forgot already. Call me. Call me in six hours. Remind me. We treated Hashem as mitzvot like it's a human being told us do this. Hashem says you have an opportunity to learn Torah, to learn fire from Shemaim. This fire coming from Shemaim, you have an opportunity to go learn it live. Not only live, you can actually learn it from the person that's teaching it, and you can see things you'll never ever see online. You're never ever going to see in a book. Never. Why? There's certain facial expressions, certain attitudes, certain oomph that's in a shiur that you're going to feel from the rabbi, that you're going to feel from just meeting the rabbi. Sometimes people will wait online for hours, half a day, just to go kiss the hand of the Rebbe. Just to go get a dollar from him. Just to go and uh, say thank you to Rabbi Pinto for blessing him six years ago or something. Just to go to Rabbi and say, please bless my kid. Who is he? Oh, he's in Alaska now with his friends, but can you bless him? You waited three hours online to get a blessing from the Rabbi? Yes. Can't you just send an email? You can't send an email? No. Why? Something special. Why? I'm next to him. 
I'm next to him. I could touch him. I could see him with my eyes, not some digital image of him. Now, if you don't have the opportunity because you actually, you live in Alaska and the rabbi is in New York, okay, it's a different story. You're not disrespecting it. You just don't have Yanus. Yanus, you don't have the ability. You don't have the ability. You live in uh, the middle of nowhere. He's in the middle of a different nowhere. And unfortunately, your nowheres are not close to each other. Different story. But if he's next door, he's a half hour, he's an hour, he's two hours from your house, and you don't go, but to the casino you're going to go two hours. To the wedding you're going to fly three hours on a plane. To the vacation you're going to travel six, seven hours on a plane just to go to uh, hang out with a bunch of your friends from high school that you haven't seen and make sense together. For that you'll go half a day. But to go to Shul Torah, no, no, it's far. How far? Ah, it's 37 minutes. Well, you're carrying the car in your head the whole time? Wow, you must be strong. The whole time you carry, 30, you can carry your car for 37 minutes. No, I'm not carrying it. So what do you do? Because me, I just drive it. I just, I just press this button and it goes. Your car doesn't work that way? You want to switch cars? We disrespected Hashem's mitzvot. We disrespected his Torah. We told Hashem, when I get a chance, and Hashem said, oh, when you get a chance, kareti karet nafsho. I don't want you. I don't want your Torah. I don't want you. I don't want your Torah. I don't want you to learn. And by the way, don't talk to me anymore. Oh, you prayed to me when it's, oh, it was painful. You, know, you broke your leg and it hurt, right? Oh, and, 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 the, and the Vicodin didn't work. And the Percocet didn't work. And you were really in pain. And none of the nurse were able to do anything about it. Oh, it hurt, right? Oh, yeah. You know why? Because I wasn't listening to you. You know why I didn't listen to you? Because you didn't listen to me. Oh, you pray for a cure? Oh, you wanted that cure? <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I only give cures to people that listen to me. It's very, very dangerous. Something pursued, something simple. What? You have a shield to down the block. No, no, I know what he said. How do you know what he said? Were you, were you a fortune teller? Were you a prophet? He said, Torah says prophets no long for 2,000 years. How do you know what he is, eh? No, no, I, I know, I know, I know. How do you know? Yeah, it sounds like I know. Sounds like I know. I'm gonna know. We treated Hashem's mitzvot as nothing. Like it's nothing, and the Gemara Maseret Sanhedrin says, Ooh, what kind of trouble we're in for such behavior? What kind of trouble we're in? To be honest with you, I mean, I used to go to Shurim when I was in New York, I would go to Shurim. I went to Rabbi Pinto's shurim, I went to Rabbi Mizrahi's shurim, but I started thinking about it myself, I didn't go to enough. Why? I said, listen, these big people were next to me, down the street, I couldn't go, they're an hour away, two hours away, half hour away, I couldn't go, why? But if it was a million dollar contract, I would go. A million dollar contract, everybody goes. But Dvar Torah, eh, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm this, I'm that. It's a problem. So, as we can see, this is a big deal. Now the Gemara says in Masechet Brachot, page 6, that a person that goes to Shul gets schar alicha, gets reward for going. Yeah. Now, in Masechet Sanhedrin, page 96b, 
One of the things that they use as a source for this is the story of Nebuchadnezzar. But they ask a different question. Do you get the schar, do you get the reward for going and coming back or just for going? Do you go for going? We go. Bachot already said that. What about coming back? It's going to take me another half hour. Logically, what's logically? Should you get it or no? Amos, do you get it or no? You should. If Amos wrote the Torah, he said yes. Betzalel? Not getting it. Lama lo? Going to your own business. So let's see. Nebuchadnezzar. You think you're getting it. Chazak. Let's see. Nebuchadnezzar. The story of Nebuchadnezzar, he was a Rasha Merusha, wanted to destroy Am Yisrael from the minute he was born. When he was a teenager, his, his friend was Jeremiah the prophet. They were friends. And they started talking about, oh, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you grow up? Type of conversation. Nebuchadnezzar says, if Hashem gives me the power, I'm going to destroy the Bet Mikdash. Now, Jeremiah, who had Nebuah already, already had prophecy, knew that Hashem will actually give him the power. But he didn't tell him. He says, no, no. So just do this, but don't do this. Do, destroy the building, but don't destroy the people. No, no, no. I'm going to destroy everything. Mamash, he wanted to destroy Am Yisrael. Now, why did Hashem give him any of this power? What did he do? He's a rasha. He's a wicked person. Why would Hashem give power to a wicked person? Hashem made a miracle for Hizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu HaMelech, Hashem stopped the sun for him in the middle of the sky. He's one of four people in history that Hashem stopped the sun for. Moshe, Yeshua ben Nun, Chizkiyahu, and Nagdimon ben Gurion. After, huh? Nagdimon ben Gurion. Nagdimon ben Gurion was one of the rich people of Am Yisrael that was also a tzaddik, but also ended up getting punished from Hashem for not giving enough. Even though he was very generous, he wasn't generous enough. So Chizkiyahu had a miracle, and the king of Bavel at the time heard about this miracle. He said, you know what? He sent a letter to Chizkiyahu to give him kavod. So he told his scribe, Nebuchadnezzar, please, little scribe, makes five bucks an hour. Write a letter for me. What is it? Write, you're a king, Chizkiyahu. Shalom. To your uh, people, Shalom. And to uh, your God, Shalom. Meaning, show of respect. He wrote the letter. He put it in the envelope. He gave it to the mailman. And the mailman started walking away. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes to the king and goes, Your uh, Highness, do you really believe uh, in, in their God? In the God of the Jews? Of course, Lord, what do you know? He stopped the sun. What miracles he's made for them? Who doesn't believe in him? He says, so how come Nebuchadnezzar did a kavachomer? He says, so how come you mention him last in the letter? How come you mention him if you believe in him, that he's the king of kings, he's kodesh kodesh, he's everything, then why did you mention him last in the letter? It's not, it's not respect to the king. It's not respect to the God of Israel, the God of the world. The king agreed with him. Oh, stop him right now. This conversation literally took two seconds. He turns around. He takes four steps. 
to the delivery man. Hey, stop. He takes the letter from him. And now, for those four steps, Hashem gave him all the power to destroy the Bet HaMikdash. But in Shemaim, they knew, the Malachim knew, if, if he takes more steps, Hashem will also give him the merit to destroy Am Yisrael. So Malach Gavriel came down and stopped him. Malach Gavriel came down from Shemaim and stopped Nebuchadnezzar to stop at the spot, don't take any more steps. So from here, the Gemara says, we learn maybe there is there is a reward for coming back. There is a reward for coming back. But the Chachamim say, no, this is actually a source that you don't get it. Why? If Hashem wanted to give the reward, you would have just let him walk. You would have let him walk. He doesn't get the Shachar. You don't get a Shachar for coming back home, like Betzalet said. You don't get a Why? Because you're going back to where you're supposed to be anyway. What, do you want a reward for that? You're not making a mitzvah at home. You made a, you want, you're going to get in a mitzvah to go to the shiur. Not to go back home. You get a mitzvah if you stay at the shiur. Go to the three we have each week is enough. So now, now we understand that there is a big deal of going to Shurim, Rabotai. Why? Because this also gives us the opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah of Shimush, to fulfill the obligation of Shimush, of getting closer to the teachers, to understanding and learning certain things. You're not going to learn simply from a book or just a typical shiur. Why? Because you see how people behave. Annoying people get up, make noise with bags in the middle of a shiur. Normal person could just take the tissue bag and throw it at them. But if he doesn't at all, okay, so he has patience. You understand? So, first we see that the Chachamim tell us the reason why it says, The reason why it talks about four types of people who sit before the sages because here they're trying to teach us something extraordinary. If you want to have a chance of being a Talmud Chacham, you want to have a chance of being righteous, first and foremost, make sure you start getting used to getting close to Chachamim. Getting close to Chachamim and staying close. Don't be close from afar. Oh no, no I'm close. I watch every shiur online. Okay, it's good. Why? Does he live in Alaska? Does he live in Honolulu? Where does he live? Oh no, he lives down the street from me. So how come you don't go to Shur? Oh, well, it's more comfortable for me to eat, to do it at home with popcorn. Oh, okay, so... Kidvar Hashem Bazaar. It's not good. It's a problem. So that's the first thing. First thing we have to understand that it's, it's, it's critical to have Shimush. That's also why you'll see that in many stories, you'll see that after, after the tzaddikim died, there's always a few, not a lot, but there's always a few really close students. Like For example, Rav Tzion Abashaul has like a handful of really, really close students. Rav uh, Mutsafi is his oldest student. Anything you, know, you want to know about Rav Tzion Abashaul, 
Mutsafis, Alachot, his books and everything. Why? He was a partner to all of the books. He wrote it with him. Of Gidon ben Moshe. Also, a lot of the books, he wrote it with him. This whole confusion about wigs, whether he permitted them or didn't permit them, he actually wrote the answer. Of Gidon ben Moshe himself says, no, when, what Rabtion Abashaul said, the wigs are allowed, he didn't say it's allowed outside. He was referring that it's allowed inside the house when it's discussing whether the husband is allowed to say Kriyat Shema next to his wife if she's wearing a wig. Because if his wife is not wearing anything, she has her hair out, he's not allowed to even say Birkat Amazon next to her. Why? It's considered Erva. But if she's covering her hair with Mitpachat, then good, say you can pray next to her. So what about if she has a wig? So Rabbi Tzion Abashaul had a leniency. He says, if she has a wig on, you can say Kriyat Shema next to her. That's, that's in the house. Not if she's outside. He never said, no, she can wear a wig outside. So people, he didn't write it clearly enough. He didn't write it clear enough for some heretics that are looking for, for leniencies. So he said, oh, see, see, Rav Tzion said it's allowed, it's allowed, it's allowed. It's not allowed. So when they went to Rav Gidon Moshe, he says, what do you mean? I wrote the answer with him. I know what he meant. He never said go wig outside. He says, yeah, but what about, uh, you know, the, the Rabbanit? Didn't she wear a wig? Somebody went there to the big rabbi and said, oh, doesn't, doesn't your wife wear a wig? He goes, wait, do you want to know what to do? Or do you want to know what my wife does? Do you want to know what to do, what's right and wrong, or do you want to know what my wife does? Meaning, we don't learn, the, you know, the Talmud Yerushalmi specifically says, we don't learn from looking at people. Meaning, we don't learn, oh yeah, this is kosher because I saw the rabbi eat there. That's not how you learn. That's not how you learn. Oh, this is allowed to wear this miniskirt because I saw the Rebbitson wear a miniskirt, so it's allowed to wear a miniskirt or a pencil skirt. No. She's wearing it, she's a sinner, and if you do it, you're a sinner too. And she's a partner in your sins, so now she gets two sins. We don't learn that way. We learn from books. So, people need to know that part of the learning is when you're close to the rabbi. Same thing goes with Rabbi Vadya. Many of the stories that came out after he died, most people didn't know them. Why? Only way you knew it is if you were there to watch it, because he never told stories about himself. He's a humble person. Kodesh. When you stop talking about himself every shoe, oh, this is what I did on Tuesday. I was an extra tzaddik on this one. I was a real tzaddik on that one. I went and cla- I, I'm not able to walk, but I remember there's a story. It was already 90 years old, and one older woman died. And he says, okay, we're going to uh, go to a house and uh, pay, uh, pay respects to the family. He says, yeah, but Kvodarav, you're busy. It's hard for you to walk. You're 90 years old. You didn't forget he's 90. You're 90 years old. You can't walk. And on top of it, she lives on the fifth floor. And there's no elevator. Ovadia says, we're going. It's not a question. We're going. They went. They didn't ask questions. The rabbi says, we're going. We're going. They got the car ready. Rabbi's going. 90 years old. In the car. Goes up five floors. Five floors. I can't go five floors. Five floors he goes. Gives respect to the family. The family's so surprised. Like, it's not like they're close cousins. No. 
Wow, Gdola Do, the head rabbi of Ami Said shows up to the house because my mom died. The guy's mom died. Why? Who expected such a thing? It's like expecting Moshe Rabbeinu to come to your house for your uh, kid's graduation party. What's going on here? How? So they ask for the Rav, where we deserve this honor for? He says, Your mom, your mom, I owe her a big, a big chesed. I owe her a big akata tov. What akata tov I owe? Why? What, 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 my mom? He goes, yeah. One time when one of my children was born, I was, uh, was still uh, newly married, and uh, my wife was pregnant, and she gave birth, and I had the other baby. And uh, your mom came to me, she goes, give me, give me the baby, you go study. Give me the baby, you go study. And I've ordered a tov, I order something in return for... 70 years. Why? She allowed me to study to an extra few hours instead of being a babysitter. Yeah, but it's your kid. Do you understand the value of Torah for Chacham? She allowed me to study Torah an extra few hours. I owe her. He remembered this for 70 years. I don't remember anything for 70 minutes. 70 years, you remember? He owes her a favor. He's going to go at 90 years old, climb five stories to go say thank you. Then that's Sadiq waiting. He told the story about himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, I climbed five stories. No, I never said. So these stories, Rabotai, these stories came out after he died. And many stories came out. Where did they come out from? They came out from the people that were close to him that saw this with their own eyes. Yeah, I saw him. I was there holding his hand going up five stories. Five floors were going up. I saw his whole, I was with him. Another one with this. All types of amazing stories. So you have these people that they themselves, because they were so close to the rabbis, after 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they themselves became giants. Not just because they learned the Torah. A lot of people learn Torah, but not everybody becomes a giant. Because they learned the other side of the Torah, like the oral Torah of the oral Torah. What is that? Shimush. They saw the Torah come to life. How? Through their Rebbe. They saw it. But then you have the opposite. What do you have? You have the people who say, Oh yeah, yeah, I went. You'll see. Yeah, yeah, I went to, uh, I went to your senior yeshiva and 20 years ago. Okay, so how come you're still wearing a t-shirt and shorts and he's uh, one of the biggest rabbis in the world? How come? No, no, yeah, we, we learned. Same thing, yeah. yeah. Same thing. Doesn't even give the, the, the decency to call a rabbi a rabbi. Why? It's mixed them uncomfortable to know that they became a rabbi and you're still a loser. Do you know how many people like that there is? Thousands. Thousands of them. Why? It's always people that know the rabbi before he became somebody special. A lot of them. Oh yeah, I went to school with them. Yeah, uh, what is that? Johnny? Johnny? No, no, it's not Johnny anymore. It's Chaim. He's not known as Jani anymore. Jani was when he was, before he did Tshuva. Now he's Chaim. Rabbi Chaim, actually. People have a problem allowing the world to, to, to continue to become something. They have a tough time. Reminds me of a story about uh, Rabbi Pesach Pruskin. Rabbi Pesach Pruskin, when he was young, 
he wasn't exactly known as the something special. He was ah, mediocre. Mediocre, nothing, nothing special. And he says, the turning point of his life, turning point of his life, was after he got insulted by people. A few people in his yeshiva made fun of him, didn't think he had a brain, didn't really uh, think his opinion was very valuable, didn't add anything. They made fun of him. He said, it broke my heart. I went to the corner feeling foolish. And I cried over my Gemara until I fell asleep. All night he cried, cried, cried. Mama totally fell asleep. He says, this crying was all asking for Hashem to please help me, to please open up my mind, to please, I want it. I want it. I want the Torah. I want it. I just don't have it. I want it. Hashem, please. He cried to Hashem, not for a car, not for a mortgage payment. Not for shiduch. Not for your stock to go up. Not for your uh, stupid uh, soccer team to win. Oh, please, Hashem, Shema Yisrael, Messi. Shema Yisrael, Messi, score. We all did it at some point. We have to do tshuva. Chatanu avinu pashanu. I would take the book, I would read. Now let's tell people before you did tshuva. Now let's tell people that you didn't do tshuva. So now, now Rabotai, he starts crying for something meaningful. He starts crying for something meaningful. And Hashem opens up his mind. Hashem opens up his mind and he says, Baruch Hashem, he got the promise that Hashem promises in the Torah to give people that Moser Nafsham that sacrificed their neshama for Hashem, opens up his mind, becomes big Talmud Racham, opens a Talmud Torah. And he had a young man by the name of Moshe Starobiner. Moshe Starobiner, as a student. Later on, this Moshe Starobiner was known as Rav Moshe Feinstein. So, The thing is, is, there's a lot of people out there that knew of Moshe Feinstein before he became Rosh Moshe Feinstein. But not everybody's going to give him the credit that he's Rav Moshe Feinstein. Some of them are still going to call him Moshe. And that's unfortunate. There's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people like that because they stayed the same or they got worse. So they're like, oh yeah, Moshe. Oh, Yossi. Oh, uh, Johnny. They're not letting them advance. Why? Because they made the mistake of a lifetime. Instead of getting glued to the rabbi, instead of getting glued to the Talmud Chacham, I said, yeah, no, yeah, I'll, I'll learn on my own. You, you, you do your thing. You do your thing. Why? You're already learning. Learn with us. What's the problem? Learn with us. Well, we're teaching kfirah. We're teaching heresy here. We're teaching about Christianity. What we're teaching? Teaching Torah. Learn with us. Sit here for a couple hours. What's the problem? No, no. When did I get a chance? And one day something happens. Hashem opens up the mind, opens up this. Oh, Hashem, somebody becomes a big shot. 
מה ביקשת אין, ביקשת ממש, אין שמיים. אין שמיים ביקשת. And they are eating their heart out. Why? I missed an opportunity to be close to Rav Moshe Feinstein. I missed an opportunity to be close to Rav Ovadia. I missed an opportunity to be close to Rabbi such and such. I missed it. I had it. He was my BFF in high school. We used to uh, do something. I don't know. Play cards together. Missed an opportunity of a lifetime. And this, Rabotai, is one of the things that's sad when a person doesn't take advantage of, of, of if he finds somebody, if he finds somebody that he could learn from, learn with, learn from, or both, and he just treats it like it's just, ah, it's, it's always going to be here. It's a missed opportunity. Udvar Hashem Baza. He disrespected Hashem's Torah and Hashem punishes him for it. So now, we have to continue with these four types of students. Now the first one is Sfog, uh, there's, there's four types of students. Sfog, Mashpech, Meshameret, Venafa. So the four types of students, brief description, the sponge, the sponge retains everything. But it's something, retaining everything, meaning everything that comes out I'm taking everything. Everything that's in a book, I'm taking everything. Everything that's in the streets, I'm taking everything. Everything good, everything bad. That's the sponge. It's good and bad. The funnel retains nothing. One year out the other. Complete waste of time. It's every teacher's nightmare. To be Rabbi Preda. Before he became Rabbi Preda. Why? The Gemara in Maseret Eruvin says Rabbi Preda had a student with a brain that was like a pumpkin, but an empty one. Why? Every single thing he had to teach him, he had to teach him 400 times before he would finally get it. 400 times. One time he tells the student, listen, today we have to get it because I have something I need to do. They got the 400 times, he goes, okay, so we're good? No. What do you mean? Every day, 400 times, we're good. What happened today? Because no, since you told me in the beginning you got to go, the whole time I'm thinking, maybe now he's going to go. Maybe now he's going to go. Maybe now he's going to go. I didn't think we are going to get the 400. So the whole time I'm thinking that you're going to go, so I didn't get it after 400 times. Oh, you played that? Overcomes even his own amazing midot and says, forget the appointment that I have. It's canceled. We're going to do it all over again another 400 times. Why? The Torah is more important than my, my appointment. Whose Torah? This fool. His Torah. His fool, this fool's Torah is more important than Rabbi Preda's appointment. Why? Because Rabbi Preda knew I'm his Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm his vessel. I'm the vessel. He's not getting Torah anywhere else. He's either getting it here or he's not going to get it. And that's why out of all of the students of Rabbi Preda, the only one that's mentioned, of course, he had many students, he didn't have one student. The only one that's mentioned that I know of in the entire Gemara, in the entire Shas, is this one student. Why? The fact that he stuck around, stuck around, stuck around to learn everything 400 times, also himself also makes him a big shot. Also himself makes him a big deal. But that's why the Bat Kol came from Shamaim and said, Rabbi Preda, 
you even broke your own midot. Your midot were amazing. That you're able to do what you did already for so long, 400 times to the student. But now you did it 800 times. So now we have to pay you a special reward. You did something special, we'll do something special. Either you can live 400 years, almost four times the average of a long life, 120 years. More like three and a half times. Or your entire generation gets Olamaba. The Prayer says, let my entire generation get Olamaba. Oh, you must sell nefesh for Am Yisrael. Instead of living 400 years, you care about Am Yisrael. We'll give you both now. And you live 400 years. And everybody got, in that generation got Olam Abba. Now, such a student, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of students that you tell them something, they forget it 30 seconds later. But there's not many that play this. In fact, there's none. <laughs> There's none. And I don't think anybody wants to volunteer to be it. I don't think anyone wants to volunteer to teach anything 400 times. Because they know that if they have to teach anyone something 400 times, they probably lose their mind. So, there's an issue here. There's an issue here because there's many people that are, things going one ear out the other. What do you do? Whose fault is it? That's what we're going to get into, Bezalel Hashem. The next one is the strainer. The strainer retains the wrong things. You have Shil Torah. The only thing he remembers is the joke. Three hours you spoke, all he remembers is the joke. All he remembers is that uh, you uh, missed the word. All he remembers is one time you made a mistake with the word, you made a mistake with the page. All he remembers is something bad. All he remembers is some girl in the shiur, I think she was uh, wearing heels. What about this three hours she all you can think about is the girl's heels? Why are you looking there anyway? What's wrong with him? Heels? Heels depends on high. If they're uh, one inch, it's good. If they're three inches, four inches, five inches, then uh, wrong religion. What if she's short? The girl? She can be short as short as she wants. doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, make the, doesn't allow the girl to walk in a, uh, in a modest way. If a girl wears heels, she works, She naturally will start walking immodestly. And in the uh, book of Isaiah, the prophet says to the women, he says, you women that are walking around with high heels and bells on them. He rebukes them. And he said, what's the worst thing that could happen? The, the, the Romans would look at us and they want to marry us? So let them marry us. Who are these women? These women were the rabbi's wives of the generation. So we see even in the Torah that Hashem does not like heels. Does not like heels. Also, you have a story in the Gemara Masechet Ta'anit. Rabbi Chanina, one of his daughters, was walking around in a normal way, but the Romans liked it. Romans liked it, so she decided to pay a little more attention to a walk, to walk just a little bit nicer, a little bit nicer. Whatever a little bit nicer means. So what's the midah connected midah that Hashem did? Hashem says, oh, you want the attention of the goyim? No problem. He had the goyim kidnap her and put her in a prostitution house. Now she was whose sister? Rabbi Meir Baraness's wife's sister. She was a sister-in-law. Brewer's sister. She didn't kill herself like Brewer did? No. So Brewer told Rabbi Meir, go do something. So Rabbi Meir 
put on a costume and went to the prostitution house and told him, yeah, I'm looking for somebody. I want somebody. Okay, come in. He lets, the, he lets him in and he finds her. So she doesn't know it's Rabbi Meir, so he tests her. He says, if she was touched by anyone, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to leave her here. She's already... Tmeah, can't do nothing for her. But if she found a way to stay pure, I'll save her. So he starts asking. He's like, oh yeah, I want to be with you. She goes, no, no, I'm sorry, you can't. No, no, but I want, I'll pay extra. He goes, no, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I have the time of the month. I have time of the month, I can't. She says, ah, so you realize, oh, this is probably the same excuse she used with every guy that comes. So he's like, ah, she's still pure. She's still Kedusha. It's worth it to save her. So he goes to the Shomer, he goes to the guard, who is like nine feet tall. He tells him, okay, I want to buy her. He goes, what buy her? They're going to kill me. I can't sell her. She's the new one. He goes, no, no, listen, here, have here a bunch of gold. He gives him a bag of gold. He goes, here. He goes, doesn't matter how much money you have, I'm going to lose my life. He goes, okay, listen. All you got to do is if they come to attack you, say, Allah de Rabbi Meir aneni. The God of Rabbi Meir, answer me. He goes, well, how do I know it's going to work? How do I know it's going to work? He says, okay, let's try it. You have those uh, dogs, ex-lions. You know, they look like lions, but they're really dogs. Free him. Free him on me. He goes, he's going to kill you. Okay, free him. He frees the dog. The dog comes straight at Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says, The God of Rabbi Meir, please answer me. The dog becomes a little... He's his best friend now. The guy says, this is a mamasha miracle. Okay, fine. He gives him the gold. He gives him the girl. He saved but, measure for measure, Hashem says, you want the attention of the people? Okay, you're going to be a prostitute now. I said this story in one of the shurim in Sukkot, maybe a year ago, two years ago, in uh, Miami. And uh, some of, I think one of the women in the crowd took off her heels after this. She <laughs> never again. Why? It's in the Torah. It's not, I care you wear heels or not. I don't know what I have, an anti-heels campaign. We see there's in the Torah, Hashem detests these things. He detests immodesty. He detests immodesty. It's in the Torah. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything that we're doing today, all of the tavot, all of the desires that we have today, nothing changed. Also, it's the same like thing. Sure, sure. There's there's a certain there's a certain uh, a certain uh, that to that also. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's the goal. The goal, for, in order for a person to be a vessel for the Torah, the first thing is to look down. To look down. This is why I actually saw this uh, story today. A friend of mine sent it to me. He says that uh, when a person, when Hashem says, I want you to do some self-reflection. He says, how do you do self-reflection? He says, look at your own image on the water. Look at your own image on the water and see what's wrong. Do tshuva. So Chachamim asks, how come he doesn't see, look in the mirror? You could see a better image in the mirror. A better image in the mirror. How come? Because when you're looking at the mirror, you're looking straight. Straight. You're looking straight. When you're looking in the water, you're looking down. Looking down automatically makes you more humble. Another thing that I could say that I could add to it, that I remember from a different story, is that what's the difference between a mirror and a window? They're both glass. What's the difference between them? The mirror has a sheet of kesef. Kesef is silver. 
But kesef also means money. When a person has money, it's separating him from other people. All he can see is himself. He can't see what's outside the window. So the person that is a strainer only sees the bad things. Only sees the bad things. Oh yeah, he made a mistake on the page. Oh yeah, he had a bad joke. Oh yeah, he had a, oh. all these bad things. No, of course not. Of course they had mirrors. No, but they used it, not mirrors like we have today. They used uh, metal. They used metal for mirrors. We learned... No, no, of course. You can see a reflection from that. But they also had, we see from the uh, from the Maaseh, when uh, they were building the Mishkan, and Hashem said, uh, you know, he told all the women to give give their stuff. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu did not want to accept the kilim that the uh, women were giving them because it was mirrors. It was a piece of copper that they used as mirrors. And Moshe says, no, they're using this to beautify themselves before they're having kids. I don't want this for the Kodesh. So she says, no, Dafka, I want that. Why Dafka, I want that? Because they're the reason why Am Yisrael is alive. Because they brought babies to the world. Dafka, I want this for the Mishkan. Dafka, I want it. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want it, but Hashem says, no, this I want. Why? Am Yisrael is alive because of the babies. They brought babies. The wives had to convince the husbands to bring babies to the world. Why? In Egypt, they're killing every baby. Every boy they're killing. Why is the husband going to bring another baby if they're going to kill the boys? Because it says plural. Exactly. So the wife says, it says plural. We want to so they have to convince the husbands to bring children to the world. So we'll go finalize the last part, which is a sieve. A sieve has the power to retain only good. This is person goes to shiur, and even though there's a bunch of things that are so-so, a bunch of things that are great, and a few things that are no good, each takes the best. That's it. That's what I got. That's what my notebook. That's what I have in my notebook. I'm taking the best. Same thing in Am Yisrael. He looks at Am Yisrael. He doesn't just look at Am Yisrael and say, oh, they're all Rishayim, look, majority of this. No, no. He says, listen, if they're still alive, that means Hashem wants them to be alive. That means there's an opportunity for them to do tshuva. Even him? Yes, even him. If he's a Rishay, if he's alive, all Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael, Yisrael says, if he's alive, he's able to do tshuva. He's able to do tshuva. Because the moment the person is incapable of doing tshuva, Hashem destroys him. Unless he's reached such a horrible status that the Rambam says that Hashem is keeping him alive only for him to make more sins so he can give him a bigger punishment. But this is a class of its own. This is a class of its own. Hashem Yerachem, whoever is at that level. Hashem Yerachem was whoever at that level. And that's why also, Rabbi Nachman Breslev in Likutei Maharan, I think it's chapter 59, Torah 59, actually says, such people, you're not allowed to help them. Which people? People that are shaim that are on a regular making sins, and they are making other people sin. Machtiya Rabim. They're yeah. sinning themselves, and they're making other people sin. Says, you know, even if they come to you to, to, to do tshuva, you're not allowed to help them. They also do right. Not allowed. Not allowed to help them. No, it's a, not allowed. Not allowed to help such a person. It's asu. It's asu from the Torah. It's a sin from the Torah to help them. If a missionary comes and says, I want to do tshuva, you cannot help him. Not to help him. Yeah, but I, I believe now. Okay, do tshuva on your own. Why? We can't trust you. We can't trust you because you're a missionary. You are walking around uh, where you, you're doing what you're doing. 
Now you're coming. We can't trust you that you're really doing tshuva. Maybe you're like a mole. How do you know? It says But that person, that's a machtia rabim. Once he's a machtia rabim, he's now. You cannot help him. They do not allow him to do tshuva. No, no, no. It's also that. Also that. Also that. So now let's fi- let's go into one of them, and then we'll finalize everything tomorrow. But the first one is the sfog. The sfog. The sfog is the sponge. This sponge you would think is good because it absorbs everything. It's okay. I told you, even if you wait 20, if you, if you, if you are tw- here for 20 minutes, it's good. Here for a couple hours. Chabot, chabot, go ahead, chabot. I give you water. Water? Uh, so the sponge, the sponge absorbs everything. It's a person that everything he hears, mamash, keeps everything. Now naturally you would think this is a good thing. It's a good thing. He remembers everything. If you think about it, first thought, the first thought that comes to your mind is like, I'll buy a lie. I remember everything I hear. I'm a computer. Right? But that's not Torah. That's not that Torah. That Torah does not want you to be a sponge. Why? Hashem gave a person bina. Hashem gave a person bina, meaning that you have to be able to discern between good and bad. Meaning all of the information that you're getting, you have to be able to discern what is tameh. What's not kosher in it? What are you not allowed to listen to? What are you not allowed to say? What are you not allowed to do? The certain things? No, no. So now, so even though a person remembers everything, Rashi, Rabbein Yonah, and Rav, actually everybody agrees to this specifically, says he lacks the power to exercise selectivity, to distinguish between the true and the false. He believes everything. He's gullible. Yeah, the rabbi said he spoke to God. Yeah, yeah, believe yeah. The rabbi uh, said he, uh, he revived the dead. Yeah, the rabbi said that uh, if I do this, then uh, Hashem accepts my tshuva. What, what is it? If I, if I just give him like $4,000 and I put a red string on, everything is good. If I, oh, the rabbi said that you, gullible. Certain people are gullible. Unfortunately, there are certain wicked people with a beard that allow people to fall for their own trap. Why? Because the person is looking for a shortcut. He's looking for a shortcut. And so what is he doing? He doesn't really want to do what the Torah says, which is real tshuva, which is real ma'asim tovim, which is to work on himself every single day for the rest of his life, to fix his midot, to take the ra, the evil inside him, and destroy it. No, but there's no evil. What do you mean there's no evil? Why, everybody said, who said that? Who said that? There's evil. Evil exists. Evil exists. A person needs to take the evil out of himself. He has to do cheshbon nefesh, which, by the way, the chidush, actually learned from Lekutem Aran recently, also. You know, everybody says, na, na, nachman. You know what na means? No. You know what? Now everybody think nah is like I don't know, like some guy saw a thing, a little private video that he made. He, you know, he just created something new out of it. The noon connects to the chet, 
and that way is the Shechina, and that way, I don't know, some crazy stuff that people make nah, up. Nah, nah. Like, what does Rabbi Nachman say? What does Na mean? Na. What does Na mean? Move. Feeling sorry because of the, of the sins we've made. It has no, no connection to what anybody out there is saying. It's the sorry. It's the sorrow. It's the sorrow you feel. Why? I made sins. I made sins against Hashem. How am I making sins against Hashem? All He gave me is good. How dare I make sins against Hashem? How can I make a sin against Hashem? Busha. Nah. Nah. You understand? This is as far as like us from like the equator. Not equator here. Pluto. Why? Because the people think, nah, nah, nah. They put on the hats. They put on this. They do, they... Look at his book. Look at what he writes. But that's what shows us. They don't read it. They just dance in a, in a van. And that's the problem, Rabotai. It's the same thing with a lot of people. The real breast livers, Tamidich HaChamim, Tzadikim, Baalei Midot, Kodesh. The real Chabadniks, like Rabbi Zilbar, Alava Shalom, Kodesh, Kodesh, he was willing to die for Mitzvat Chanukah. Mitzvat Chanukah, he was in jail in Siberia. He was he was put his life on a line to make candles for Mitzvat Chanukah. A rabbinical mitzvah. Put his line on the line. Now it's his friend. He's the same book. It's his friend did it. They made a tzitzit. They wanted to kill him for not taking off the tzitzit. He beat up the, the guard. Point is, the real Chabadniks were literally willing to kill themselves for what? For the smallest mitzvah that you think is small. That we think is small. But the, the people that actually, the real tzadikim, Today, people are confused. They think that you become a chassid because you have a beard, because you have a hat, because uh, you like to dance around in the middle of the street. No, it just means you're like a homeless guy with a keeper on and you, you're dancing. So that's the thing, Rabotai. We have to know what the truth is. What does it say? What does it say? What does it say? We have to delve into the truth for the smallest, smallest things. Why? Because the smallest thing makes a difference between truth or lie. Truth or lie? So now this sponge, this sponge is not able to distinguish between truth and lies. He's not able to to make a difference between something that's meaningful and something that's trivial. Like sometimes you're going to see the shul, we're talking for two hours about Moshe Rabbeinu, and someone's going to ask a question about strawberries. What do you mean? We just talked about Moshe Rabbeinu for two hours. What does it have to do with strawberries? Oh, no, no, I don't know. I was just thinking about how delicious strawberries are. Are they allowed? Like, what does that have to do with the shiur? Did you listen for two hours? What does that have to do with anything? Oh, I don't know. I just thought it would be good for people to know. Like, what? <laughs> what? But sometimes it happens. Bo Hashem, four, five years, six years, I don't know, however many years we're doing the shiurim. There's always somebody in the crowd that we've had in there, especially the tours that we have in New York, California, different places. There's always somebody coming with that magic question. What, did you listen for two hours? What does that have to do with anything? That's a person that's a sponge. He knows everything you said. But it's just, he's not able to determine what's good, this, that. He's skin, poor guy, skin. But it's also a test for the teacher. So he's like a sponge that absorbs all of the water, even if it's dirty. The sponge doesn't only absorb the uh, clean water. The sponge also absorbs the dirty water. Now, Tiferet Israel says, 
the clear and the dirtied water become mixed inside the sponge. So when they're released, they're all contaminated. Such is with a student who doesn't know how to discriminate in his learning and does not classify his knowledge. His ideas will be randomly blended and he will certainly be unable to express himself clearly to others. This is when a person starts learning in such a way where he doesn't know what's good, what's bad, what's alakha, what's opinion, what's this. He doesn't know. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of this with, uh, with uh, certain institutions. Let's just call it certain institutions in the world today, the religious world today. They teach their uh, graduating rabbis to teach Torah in, in my opinion, my opinion, for whatever three cents that it's worth, is completely weakening. This is, not only it's not chizuk, it's weakening. Weakening Torah. Why? They give you, when they teach, a source sheet. A source sheet. So they give them, they say, oh, there's a lecture on Shabbat. Is a source sheet on a website. Everybody print it, or you can get it at the shul. And it's the mainstream shuls. Mainstream shuls. Get the source sheet, and they give you whatever drasha that the rabbi is going to give you. He's going to give you a 50-page source sheet of what he's going to say for an hour. It's 50 pages. And he's going to briefly go through a bunch of different opinions. Uh, rabbi said this, rabbi said this, rabbi said this, rabbi said this. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, any, no, 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 no. Okay, so what's the tach, what's the bottom line? What's yes, do I, am I allowed now? Oh, you make your own mind. This is weakening Torah. This is weakening Torah. Why? Because the average person, whether he's wearing a kippah from the day he was born, or he just put it on for the Knesset, does not know how to make a decision on his own. That's appropriate. Why? He doesn't have da'at Torah. He doesn't have da'at Torah. If he has da'at Torah, he's not listening to Yeshu. He's learning. He's not sitting in your lecture with your 80 source sheets. He's getting his own source sheets. So you're giving 50 opinions to the average folk that most of the time the only Torah they learn the whole week is this shiur and maybe 5-10 minutes between Mincha and Arvit every day. That's their whole Torah for the whole week. And you're going to tell them his 50 opinions of different rabbis that said yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And you don't tell them what's the bottom line, yes or no. Oh, you can make up your own mind. This is weakening. Why? I'll tell you a few reasons. Number one, if it's a secular person, like I was most of my life, to me, if you give me two opinions, to me that means I can do whatever I want. I don't know what it means, I don't know what it means, both this and this are the words of the living God. I don't know what that means. I don't know that what it means that Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel are both right even though they're on two different sides. I don't know what that means. To me, as a secular person, neither one of them what they're talking about, I'll make up my own mind. He says no. He says yes. Okay, I'll say maybe. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's a dik. Sometimes I agree with him. Sometimes I agree with him. Look, I love everybody. I'm the next Rabbi uh, something. I'm Rabbi Yaron. No, I'm starting a new Hasidut, guys. Who's joining Who's joining? No, I'm agreeing with everyone. I love everyone. So a secular person, it says, wait a minute, when there's two minds, there's yes or no, oh, I'm going to take everybody. 
then that means they missed. They missed something. Why? The Gemaraim Aseret Rosh Hashanah, page 14, says, someone who takes the leniencies, the leniencies of Bet Shammai and the leniencies of Bet Hillel, Rasha, wicked. Meaning, whenever a Bet Shammai says yes, he goes. Whenever Bet Hillel says yes, he goes. Whenever they say no, he goes with the other one. He only looks for leniencies. Rasha, wicked. Why? He's not looking for the truth. What about someone wants to be machmir? Someone wants to, I want to do all the worst stuff. I want to do the stuff that's most difficult. I want to be Moshe Rabbeinu. Someone, the Gemara says, that takes the stringencies of Bet Shemai and the stringencies of Bet Hillel. You think, what does it say, Tzadik? No. It says, this is a fool that walks blind in the night. Fool that walks blind in the night. Why? It's not about yes or no. It's not about difficult or easy. It's about what's the truth. What did you toil and toil and toil and work and work and work and work to do to arrive at the actual truth that your neshama understands? Now, since we're not Bet Shammai and we're not Bet Hillel, we have a rabbi. You have to have multiple rabbis. You have a posek that you have to hold by. If you're Sephardi, most Sephardis hold by Rabbi Vadya. If not, whatever, whoever your posek is, that's your posek. That's where you go by Allah. But then you have to have your local rabbi. And then you, whoever with Bikneset you go to, hopefully has at least 10 people that actually keep Shabbat. That's another rabbi. It's a local rabbi, basic day-to-day questions. And then you have your rabbi, that's your mechazek, that's your guy, that's your, that's the, uh, that's your rebbe. That's the one that, you have, that really knows you. That knows if you're honest to your wife or not. That knows if you really have money, you just look like you do. That knows if you cheat, if you don't. That knows all the stuff about you. The one that you ask all the questions, including the uncomfortable ones. The one that's going to pick you up when you're a little mattress on the floor. You need chizuk. So, a person needs to have that. But if he's just looking for Rabbi Noach, he's looking for the, for the Rabbi that's the most comfortable for him, because Noach also means comfortable. Whatever is comfortable and going with him, that's a rasha. That's a wicked person. That's a wicked person. So, a person that teaches the public every opinion, yes, no, maybe, yes, no, maybe, yes, no, maybe, is doing damage to the community. Why? Because the average person does not know Da'at Torah. In fact, unfortunately, the statistics haven't changed much. They've deteriorated over time in America and the world, especially America, where at this point, 90% of American Jews do not even keep Shabbat. Do not keep Shabbat, the very basic mitzvah of Judaism, to such an extent that, Allah, that uh, the Rambam in Ilchot Shabbat, chapter 30, last halacha, says a Jew that violates Shabbat by driving on Shabbat, smoking cigarettes on Shabbat, watching TV on Shabbat, uh, grinding on Shabbat, all of these different things. A Jew that's a Mechalel Shabbat is considered in the eyes of Hashem and His Torah 100% an idolater, an idol worshiper, no different than a Christian missionary. What, what 
difference the Sudar Rabbanan that that's Chilul Shabbat when it's to uh, as far as the uh, Kvot Shabbat Kvot Shabbat but if he's doing it Lechatchila it's no it's a problem if it's if it's on he didn't know it was on it's on then he has a different problem why does he have a TV in his house it's a different problem but it's not considered Chilul Shabbat no that's not Chilul Shabbat that's not that's not Chilul Shabbat no Chilul Shabbat is when you're actively you're turning on the TV you're turning on the car. You're pressing on the ignition. You. That's Chilu Shabbat B'faresia. When ten people know that you are violating Shabbat, they don't need to see you. They know that Johnny smokes on Shabbat. They don't need to see you. People think that B'faresia, public sin of Shabbat, means that ten Jews saw you. No. If you look at the Gemara, Masechet Avu Dazara, it specifically uses the story of Pinchas. To teach us what does Faresia mean? What does a public sin mean? A public sin means when ten Jews know that you are sinning. Ten Jews knew that Zimri was with the Goya Cosby. They didn't see him. They were in oil. They were, what do you think it was? A, uh, everybody was inside his oil. No. Ten people knew. They both went in there and they're doing whatever they're doing in there. Ten people knew. Pinchas says that gives me the, the, the right to kill them. Because that's the dean of a zealous person that sees a uh, a Jew and a non-Jew in the middle of the act. If they're zealous, they're allowed to kill them. We don't have that dean anymore because we don't have zealous people anymore in the world. But the point is, what we learned, Parashat Pinchas, is that. Now, Faresia means when ten Jews know that you drive on Shabbat. They don't need to see you drive. They don't need to see you smoke. So... A person that violates Shabbat is not going to know what does it mean 50 opinions. The rabbi tells him, listen, there's yes, there's no, there's Rambam, there's Tosfot, there's this, there's that, there's 50 opinions. What's the Mechalel Shabbat going to say? Oh, no one knows like me. Maybe I'm a bigger tzaddik than them. I think I'm nice. I paid for the synagogue. I paid for the Sefer Torah. You know how much money I donated? You know how much money I did? You know how good I am? You know how nice I am to them? I buy sandwiches from them. I bought, uh, I bought the guy don't. Like, people magnify their uh, day-to-day life as if they're Moshe Rabbeinu. So the guy doesn't know right or left. He drives on Shabbat still, and the rabbi never told him anything. He's like, oh, if the rabbi never told me anything, that means it's okay for me to drive on Shabbat. Because there's yes and no. So I'm, I'm choosing on he yes, and on the other one no. Driving, yes. Parking, no. I'll give it to the valet. That's a Beknesset in, 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 in Beverly Hills. Is, they call themselves Orthodox Beknesset. Orthodox Beknesset in Beverly Hills. They have valet parking on Shabbat. But they call themselves Orthodox. I don't know why. Why bother? Why bother? Why bother call yourself Orthodox? Just don't call yourself anything. Call yourself reform. Call, don't call yourself. Why, what, why bother? Why, why lie to yourself? I don't understand that. But this is not the fault of the people. It's not completely their fault. It's the 50 sources. It's the flawed teachings that are disconnected from the people by telling them, you can make up your own mind. It's all subjective. It's all subjective, what you think, what you don't think. Do what's right in your heart. Bilam thought what's right in his heart was to kill Am Yisrael. Does that mean it's right? Hitler, Imach Shimon, thought to kill Amitzah is right in his heart. What does this mean? Right? Who said this is Christianity? 
So the first flaw of the teaching style of providing multiple sources without an actual yes or no, what we do to the average person, it kills them, it weakens them. It weakens them. For the slightly above average, the one that's trying, the one that's trying to get stronger, but he's not quite there, he doesn't have that toy yet, he's like a new Baal Tshuva. It's two, three, four, five years into it. He's not learning every day. He's not in a cold, but he learns a little bit. He goes to shiur. He learns a little bit from the books here and there. He's new. You give him a shiur with 50 sources, you've ruined all of his learning. Why? Because now he thinks that he's supposed to, in order for him to ever arrive at an actual opinion, he has to know all the sources. And even if he goes to all the sources, what makes it right? Maybe it's wrong. So maybe sometimes I'll do it, and maybe sometimes I won't do it. And uh, Rav Slovedzik said over here this one, and uh, the rabbi uh, said over here this one, and uh, this one said this one, and, and, and again, you've mixed him up. Not that different from the secular person. Not that different from the secular person. It's, it's just one step removed. You've confused him to now, he is now a kofel, a kofel, but he doesn't know it though. He thinks he's good. Why? He says, no, no. The rabbi said there's 50 opinions. I just picked that one. Like he thinks it's like a shopping list. He doesn't know that you're not allowed to do such things. So that's another problem. Now the one that actually knows Torah, that can discern and learn with you all of the opinions and understand that all of them are words of the living God, 9 out of 10 times, if not 9.9 out of 10 times, he's not in your shoe. He's not attending. He's not attending. And if he's attending, you didn't give him any chidushim anyway. Why? He has not taught. So who are you making this shiur for? You have a thousand people. I remember we were in BRS. Every week they gave these 50-page source sheets. The thousand people, 600 people, 800 people in the crowd. People learn it. And you know, I'm sitting there. You know, I didn't go to many shiurim just in the beginning. I'm just trying to see what's, what's going on in the place. And sometimes I'll come to tefillah a little early so you don't have nothing to do. So you sit there. And you hear the guy finishing his speech. And you start overhearing people talk. And one guy would say, oh, so what do you think? He goes, oh, you know, I just sit here and pretend like I know what he's talking about. <laughs> like the people are talking to each other. And they're religious. So, so what do you think? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm pretending like I know what he's talking about. And I just keep nodding. He goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> and they give each other high five. So this is not my opinion. I see this from the people. I was there. No one knows what's going on. The shiur ruined a thousand people's devout Torah for the Shabbat. A thousand people, instead of getting an hour of Torah, what they got? An hour of confusion. The rest of the week is ruined. So when a person does not, when he not only is a sponge himself, but his speech is like a sponge where he gives him everything. All the good, all the bad, all the this, and doesn't tell them yes or no, you are doing a disservice to the people. You're doing a disservice to the people, please stop. You're ruining it. Now, last point, statistically. Statistically. You could say, okay, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. That's your opinion, all this stuff is your opinion. I have students that are do 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 I have students that are benefiting from it. I have students that like it. Okay, so let's see. Your style of teaching people everything 
has been utilized by YU and the likes for a while now. A while. They didn't just open last year when I became religious. They've been around for a while, I'd say, right? Let's see the Jewish, the Jewishness of the Jewish people throughout that time. Has it improved? No. It's deteriorated. It's deteriorated to such an extent that many of the G'dolei Adol are saying that the modern Orthodox today are what the conservative used to be 50 years ago. Conservative that are now reform used to be like the modern Orthodox today. I spoke to one of the Gedolei in America and he told me, modern Orthodox is a different religion. I'm like, what do you mean? It's Judaism. He goes, no, no, they call themselves modern Orthodox. They call themselves Judaism. It's a different religion, modern Orthodox. I'm like, why don't you say something? He goes, it's to no toilet. It won't help. They have their own chachamim. They listen to their 50 opinions. They don't want to listen to one opinion. They want to listen yes or no. They want to, everything is subjective. Everything is, what do you think? What is this thing? What is this? We use, we like, we cherry pick the, 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 the rabbis and the opinions like Skittles. Oh, no, I like red. Okay, give me all the reds. Oh, I like green. Give me all the greens. This Rabotai, this is, is, is a bizayon of the Torah. It's disrespect of the Torah. This is a disrespect of the Torah. And it's causing a lot of confusion. People are simple. People are simple. People are simple. People need to know yes or no. They don't need to know pilpulim. How you got to it, and who said this one, and who said that one. The reason why I mentioned sources is just so you know I didn't say it. Don't blame me for writing the Torah. That's why I mentioned sources to you. I don't necessarily expect every one of you to uh, write down the page number and go there. Maybe you will. But if you will, you'll find it. But it's not. I'm not telling you it because I think that you're going to write every single word that I say down. The point is to show you that there is a source. But at the end, what we try to do is say yes or no. Even though more times than not, there is an opposite opinion. There, many times there is a yes for every no, and there's a no for every yes. Many times, not all the time, many times there's an opposite opinion. But that's not what we go by. Why? We have a direction. What's our emit that we arrived? That's the emit, that's what we go by. Yeah, but there's another opinion. Good for him. Good for him for his opinion. We don't go by his opinion. We go by this opinion. Yeah, but uh, Rabbi, he's also big. Good. He's in Ganeden. I'm trying to get there. He's in Ganeden. Good for him. He has, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I'm trying to get there. Okay, so why don't you do what he says? Because I don't go by him. I don't go by Rabbi Sajjashash. I go by Rabbi Vadya. I go by Rabbi Yashi. I go by wherever there is, wherever your posek is, you go by him, you stick to him. You can't pick and choose rabbis like you do uh, sandwiches. Unless your own rabbi says you can go with the other opinion. Sometimes you'll see in Alakha that the rabbi says, this is yes. And anyone that says no, there are enough chachamim, there are opinion that says no, and you can go by that too. You have something to rely on. Meaning that you're allowed to go with the no. Because your own rabbi said, even though I've, got, I've arrived at the truth, my truth is yes, I'm not saying that the no is wrong. There is enough wisdom that the other chachamim arrived that even they have their right. So you can go with either one. He's telling you, I'm doing yes. But they said, no, you, if, you, if you choose to do no, you're okay. You have something to rely on. Your own chacham said you have something to rely on. But if he says... 
I say yes, and whoever says no is wrong, you are forbidden to go to a different opinion. You're forbidden. This is why it's mamash bushav echerpa for all of these Sephardic Jews that want to rely on Ashkenazi poskim to wear wigs. Because they, the Sephardics, for the most part, rely on Rabbi Now Rabbi said, it doesn't matter if it comes from Genom or it comes from India. Wigs are forbidden. And he provided mamash a list of over a hundred different Puskim throughout generations, throughout the generations that are it's forbidden to wear a wig just because of modesty. Forget Abu Dazara. It's not allowed to wear a wig for a Jewish woman, according to Rabbi Vadya, according to the Vilna Gaon, according to Rabbi Yashiv, and so on and so forth. The list goes on all the way to the days of the Gemara. He says you're not allowed. So for a Sephardic Jew to say no, no, but this uh, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein or the Rebbe Lubavitch Rebbe said yes, yes, but you don't hold by them. You cannot go to them when it's convenient to you. That makes you rasha. So a Sephardic person can never do such a thing. But unfortunately, many of the local rabbis don't tell them that. Why? Because the local rabbi's wife also wears a wig. So he's nagua. He's biased. You allowed to wear a wig? No, absolutely not. Somebody tell Rabbi Vadia, but your daughter wears a wig. You yes, say, my and daughter gonna have gonna again on me also. Yes, so exactly. Rabbi Vadia said when they told him, "Yeah, but your daughter wears a wig," he said, "Yes, there's place in Gainon for her too." There's place in Gainom for her too. The point is, the truth is the truth. You cannot avoid the truth just because it's not convenient for you. So now, a person that teaches the public needs to take all of these things to consideration. You cannot just tell people you can decide for yourself. They don't know what da Torah is. The average person needs to know, am I allowed or am I not allowed? Yes or no? Many times my rabbi tells me, yes, but you don't. No, I'm like, no, I need to know. Yes or no? He goes, but it's not so easy. Yes or no? no. I said, for me, I'm a cow. I need yes or no. Right or left? That's it. That's all. I need yes or no. And this specific, the certain things, I want to know. Do, 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 all, all the complications, right, left, do the certain things. I want to know. But certain things, I, listen, I don't care enough about it to investigate because I'm too busy investigating 70,000 other things. So just tell me what's right. I want to go to Gan Eden. Tell me what's right. What do you do? What do you do? Do you do, you do it? Do you wear a wig? No. Okay, I'm not wearing a wig. What do you do? You eat, you eat uh, Bet Yosef? Yes. Okay, I eat Bet Yosef then. You eat... Uh, okay. What do you do? That's what you have to ask. What do you do? Yes or no? What do you do? Are you, would you eat it? No. Okay, so I'm not eating it too. Why not? Because you're my rabbi. If you go to Gainom, I want to be with you. I want to, well, I have to ask somebody some questions. What do you mean? Woman has questions. What do you think? If we go to Ganeden, you think he's going to look at me if we go to Ganeden? He's uh, what Moshe Rabbeinu. Only have a chance if we go to Gainom together. So now, Rabotai, this is the key. This is the key you need to know. It's sponge, sponge. It's good, but it's terrible. Why? You have a talent that Hashem gave you to absorb a lot of information. But you're absorbing too much. You're absorbing too much. This is like a person that wants to live religious life and secular life at the same time. He wants to be religious with the kippah and a black hat and everything, but he wants to have an apartment on the beach. So he knows for sure every single day, every single day, he comes down from his condo outside and everyone's naked on the street. 
Every day, every day is Gidu Elayot in his life. Every day, Hashem allows him to live another day. It's unbelievable that Hashem allows him to live another day. He lives on the beach. Every day, every day he sees people naked. Now let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm serious now. I want to ask you guys a question. The men especially. I want to ask you guys a question. Now, think about this for a second. Some of you are married, some of you are not married. Now, what would you think if your wife decided? Are you married? Not yet. Not yet. There's other very soon. Shana, Say amen. Say amen. 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 Okay. Whenever Hashem wants to give, amen. Now, it's a good zivuk tzadikah. Now, if your wife said, listen, I want to get married, I want to have everything, do, 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 all the things you want, good. I'm even going to wear kisur rosh. I'm even going to wear kisur rosh, but I want to walk around with my underwear. I want to walk around my underwear and bra in the streets. No, bathing suit. No, 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 bathing suit. I want underwear. What would you say? Is the get. Sign over here, please. Is the mental institutions. Dial 911. Like, what did you say? What do you mean uh, you want to wear underwear? What's the matter with you? So how come people allow their wives to wearing uh, bathing suits? How come God won't take them? Because Hashem has mercy, unlike us. <laughs> right, we're not Kadosh Baruch though. We have to follow Him. The key is, Abu Tai, is a person needs to understand. You're not allowed to wear it, but you're also not allowed to look at it. And you're not allowed to put yourself in a position where you know for sure you're going to see it. You have no right to live by the beach. You have no permission from a Torah to live by the beach where you know for sure every single day you're going to see naked people. There's no permission from a Torah. Yeah, but I'm religious. Where? How are you religious if you're sitting every second you walk down the street? How? How are you religious? How? It's not like, listen, if you were blind, like really blind, then you could live wherever you want. You can't see. You don't have that Yetzirah. If you're Yitzchak Avinu at the end of his life, he became blind. Okay, good. But you're not. So a person is not allowed to put themselves onto such a test. You're not allowed to put yourself in such a test. Because maybe you passed the test six days a week, but on the seventh day you, you failed. Now what if Hashem says, okay, you failed. That's your, that was your clock. I'm going to take you to Shemaim. So you finish your life on that day that you just violated his Torah on that day. You have no right to live there. And that's what people understand. I know there's immodesty everywhere. But everybody needs to use their brain and know there's more and there's less. There's some places that they're half naked and some places that they're completely naked. Yes, they're both not good. But you go with the lesser of two evils. You go with the lesser of two evils. So that's Rabotai, a person that wants to do what Hashem wants him to do. He's going to have to make these difficult decisions. He's going to have to make these difficult decisions. This means ending certain relationships. This means changing certain hobbies. This means changing your pattern, your way, your life. Changing your life. But that's chuba. That's chuba. Go ahead. Depends. Depends. Oh, if it's a Rabu Vadi, yes. If it's a Rabu Vadi, of course. No, but if you're saying, if, if, if let's say your local rabbi, your local rabbi says, yeah, you could uh, live in, on the beach. 
And you say, oh, my local rabbi says I could leave on the beach. My local rabbi said I could drive on Shabbat. My local rabbi said I could uh, eat pig once a week. My local rabbi, all types of stuff that local rabbis will say. Local rabbi, local. Local. Right. So, the thing is, though, is that a person that says, yeah, but my, my, my rabbi said this, you can say that in Shemaim until you turn blue in the face. They're not going to listen to you. Why? Because two things. Number one, you, as a human being, were given a gift from Hashem to discern the difference between good and bad. Everyone knows the truth. You may not want to fulfill it. It's difficult for you to fulfill it. It's difficult for you to do it because you have a Yetzirah, but at the end, everyone knows good and bad. Everyone knows good and bad, unless you're mentally ill, which then you're patu for mitzvot anyway. Everyone knows what they're doing is right or wrong. Everyone knows that stealing is not... You don't need the Torah to tell you that stealing is not allowed. That taking uh, stuff that's not yours is not allowed. That walking around naked is not really a modest thing to do. Everyone knows these things. You don't need a Torah to tell you. So, if a rabbi tells you, yeah, yeah, you could drive on Shabbat. Yeah, but didn't it say something about uh, no fire? Yeah, yeah, but it's not really fire. You know it's fire. Why? Because if you put your hand inside the engine, your, your hand will go on fire. You know it's fire. It's not allowed. So, that's number one. Second reason is, you're not allowed to just blindly listen to anyone. Unless it's the Gdoladol. Which even then you're supposed to toil and find out why he said what he said. You can't just like, oh no, he said yes, 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 yes. I'm just going to go. Why did he say yes? Did you learn his Torah? Did you learn why? You're just like a cow. Hashem did. If Hashem wanted you to be a cow, he'd make you a cow. You understand? So it's not, it's not so simple because even, even the Gdolim made mistakes. Even the Gdolim made mistakes. But if they made a mistake and you followed their mistake... That's fine if you toiled like they did and you tried and you tried and you tried and you learned. So fine. But if you were just spiritually lazy, it's lazy. Just, oh, yes, okay, so if I'm just going to, it's yes. Yes. And you never tried to learn it. You never did. Like you've lived seven years without learning it. You learned about basketball. You learn about your career. You learn about diamonds. You learn about uh, hair extensions. You learn about uh, different types of coffee. You learned about, I don't know, uh, snakes. But you didn't learn why you're eating a certain food. It's a problem. And that's what you have to also see. This, the way you know if you really want to be a Talmud of Hashem is based on what you do on your free time. What do you do on your free time? If on your free time you're looking up, you know, what is bubblegum made out of? Then, okay, you're probably a bubblegum. Like, that's, that's what you're probably going to be. You know, you're going to be a bubblegum. You know, but if you're looking for the truth, even during there is no off time. You're constantly chasing the truth, and you're tracing. You're looking for knowledge that will assist you finding the truth. Okay, then you have something. Then you have something. Then you have something. But that's that's what a person needs to chase the truth at all times. There's no breaks. There's no breaks. So you can't just say, "Oh no, no," but he said this, so I'm going to go by it. If somebody said, buy this stock, you're just going to buy it? If somebody said, just buy this, uh, buy this house, you're just going to buy it? Somebody said, just marry this woman, you're just going to marry her? Marry this guy, you're just going to marry him? What if he's a psychopath? What if he's, uh, I don't know, uh, a mime? What if he, I don't know, what, 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 like, you're not going to check it out? 
Oh, that you're going to check. The stuff that's uh, temporary in this world, you're going to check. But a mitzvah that can determine whether you go to Ganeden or Gehenom, you're not going to check. That's the thing. There's no. We know that we know everything I just said. You know. Everything I just said. You know. I'm just reminding you to take it from here to here. So you can't go up to Shammai and be spiritually lazy. It's not going to help you. It's not going to look good. It's not going to look good. You spend three hours checking. Uh, you know why does uh, you know why does I don't know newscasters have long careers. But you didn't uh, check why uh, you know why you should eat this type of meat versus this type of meat. You understand? Like you, you checked a lot of things, and Hashem gave you the ability to check a lot of things, but you didn't check the right things. Why? Because you didn't care enough. And for that, we have to pay a deen. For that, we have to pay a deen. Why? Because we're spiritually lazy. Now, if you tried your best and still arrived at the wrong conclusion, that's a different story. That's a different story. Why? Because you've toiled and you tried and you did. You got your... Even that, what you did is the truth you arrived at. It's not the truth in Shemaim. But you arrived at the truth in Shemaim, the Paskin like you. If you toiled, for sure. But how many of us can really say we're trying 100%? And that's what we have to do. We have to start pushing, pushing towards that 100%. Push to 50% even. Push to 50%. At least try half as much as we try for everything else. Which Obviously, we should do 100%. But that's kind of wishful thinking right now. We're still at, uh, uh, you know, Aleph Bet. So at least try as half as much as we try for everything else. We should try for more. But the reality is we have to try. We have to try harder. We have to try harder. I'm telling this to myself. We have to try harder. We have to try harder waking up early and going to sleep early and going to sleep late and taking care of the kids and taking care of the wife and taking care of... All the while, Tamit Chacham, Kodesh Kodashim, you know everything. What? That's what you brought to the world. Yes, you have to run your life and the work and the job and the stress and the judge and the jury and the, and the, and the wicked people that are trying to kill you and say bad things about you. All the things. You try. I have to do all that stuff. Yes. And you start to be a tzaddik. And you still have to be a tzaddikah. Yes, it's hard work. It's hard work. But that's what you're here for. What do you think? You're here for the sit on the beach? That's for the whales. If you want to be a whale in the next game, go continue sitting on the beach. One of the chachamim said that there was was an abundance of cats would come to his house in his yard constantly. Seriously, I'm serious. I forget the name. A lot of cats, like tens and tens of cats. Tamirim asked him, why don't you like kick all these cats out? He goes, no, don't touch them. What, you like cats? No, I hate cats. So why don't you kick them away? He goes, these are the neshamot of all of the students of Rabbi so-and-so from the previous generation that fought this other rabbi. Because the machloket between them wasn't for Shemaim. They were just looking for uh, the wrong thing. They all reincarnated in cats. They're in my yard now. Trying to help them. These people learn Torah every day, every night. So? They learn Torah every day, every night. They're all Tamidim Yeshiva. They turn into cats. Why? When your Torah is not for Shemaim, it's not Torah. So let's say, Rabotai, this is the first part. We're going to have to continue the rest of it tomorrow unless you have any questions. Tomorrow we have a, we have a shiur down the street.
No, uh, in Miami. In Miami. White House. No, not Lighthouse. House. In uh, Miami. In a house. In a. I have a question. You said about uh, Messi and this and that. Schmeitz Lenz. Ken. I understand, but then you said the person asked Shiduk, Shiduk, Shiduk. You have to ask like that. You have to cry for Shiduk. Ken, but of course you have to ask for Shiduk. But the point is to make an make a thing is that a person that's all he's praying for is a Shiduk. Instead of praying to understand why he doesn't have a shiduch, or to fix himself as his neshama, fix his duchuva, fix herself, there's more than just praying for a shiduch. There's more than just praying for what we want. No, you just gave a kitzonid example like Messi and soccer and shiduch. No, it's, shiduch it's, it's figure of speech. It's not a prepared speech. Huh? It's off the cuff. It's not a prepared speech. I'm not reading a uh, speech. Oh, okay. It's the thing is though is to understand. Okay, but the shiduch part you pray for. Hundred percent. Most important thing for the person needs to pray for is to get closer to Hashem. Once a person prays for that, once a person prays to get closer to Hashem and closer to his emet, the rest of the things come. The rest of the things come. Now sometimes to get to the emet requires difficulty. Now you don't know what kind of difficulty Hashem is going to give you. You don't know what kind of difficulty. So sometimes Hashem is going to give you a difficulty that you don't want. In fact, most of the time it's the one you don't want. So you're going to pray for Shiduch. You're going to pray for Parnasa. You're going to pray for a kid. You're going to pray for certain things that you want. And many times it's going to cause you to neglect other things. So you're praying for a shiduch, but you're not focusing on the rest of tshuva. You're praying for a uh, panasah, but you're not focusing on limud. You're praying for all different things, something you want, which many times causes you to neglect something else. And the problem is, is that you are now extending your problem. So someone came to the Chafetz Chaim almost a hundred years ago and asked him, Kvod Arav, is there a ticket to Gan Eden? Meaning, is there like a shortcut? Is there like one thing you can do and you got Gan Eden? You know, like you can finish the Shas, I don't know, five times, ten times, I don't know, like you, if you uh, learn the, <coughs> the entire Shulchan by heart or something, if you are, uh, your beard is, reaches the floor, I don't know, is there something you can do? You know you're in Gan Eden. Guarantee Gan Eden. Is there? Anybody know? Chafetz Chaim says, Asameach Bechilko. Someone's happy with a share. But not happy with a share like we think happy with a share. Not happy with a share like we think happy. Happy with a share means to us, oh, he has five bucks, he's happy with five bucks. He has ten dollars, he's happy with ten dollars. He has ten million, he's happy with ten million. No, that's not happy with a share, Rabotai. That's not what the Chafetz Chaim was saying. He's happy with Hashem means that when Hashem gives him problems, he gives him a broken leg, he gives him a broken window, he gives him a broken marriage, he gives him a broken child, he gives him a broken head. He's happy. Why? This is exactly where Hashem wants me now. Meaning, Hashem could have given me every possible opportunity in the world to do to serve Him. This is what he's giving me these problems. Now, he meaning he wants me to serve him under these conditions. 
with no money, with no wife, with no kids, with uh, all the problems I have right now is exactly what Hashem wants me now. That's the ticket. That's the ticket. Being happy like that. Being happy meaning I'm going to not only be happy, now I'm going to serve Him the best under these circumstances. Never say, oh, if I would have had more money, then such and such. Or if I would have had such and such, then such. No, no, no. That, Rabotai, is kfira. That's kfira. A person can never say, if I had such and such, then I would do such and such. Then you're not allowed to do that. Why? Because in essence, what we're saying is that Hashem is making a mistake. Hashem made a mistake. If He gave me more, then I could do a better job for Him. Which means that you know better than Hashem. We don't know better than Hashem. We did it already. We did it already. No, but what you just said about Hafez Ken? My rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Mubo, he said that, uh, he asked a question, how Akadosh uh, Baruch Hu, he does all the Torah, who mekayemet kola Torah. Yeah. So how Akadosh Baruch Hu mekayemet the mitzvah, Ezra Ashila Samar Beherko, all this world is his, so how does he do it? So Hafez Sainz said, yes, all the world is God's world, but God has a special share, which is each Jew, and that's how Akadosh Baruch Hu mekayemet the mitzvah, Ezra Ashila Samar Beherko. No, the Judaism can be taken away from a person. If a, if, if a Jew is not, is not practicing Judaism, if a person is a Mechalel Shabbat, if a person is a Kofel Batoa, uh, then his Judaism is on Jewish. suspension. He's still Jewish. No, he's judged a person that's a Mechalel Shabbat Befaresia, a person that's a Machtia Rabim, a person that even goes against the sages, against the rabbis on a regular thing, on a simple thing, like shaving with a razor. Shaving with a razor. Rav Pinchas uh, from Yerushalayim wrote a book, tiny little book, about the different school or different things about Berkat Amazon, but also the different teachings from Kaddish. Kaddish. Tiny little book, cute little book, and there's different, many, many different sources. A big Talmud Chacham. He says, "What about if a person, if the Chazan or the person that says Kaddish, shaves with a razor? What if he shaves with a razor? It's a real question. It's a question. It's a real question. If a person is a Mechalel Shabbat, he drove to shul, and he says Kaddish, are you allowed to say Amen? Not allowed." According to Al-Lacha, you're not allowed to say Amen to him. If he's the only one that's saying Kaddish, you're not allowed to say Amen to him. Why? He's considered an idol worshiper. You're not allowed to say Amen to a person, Mechalel Shabbat, that says Kaddish. And this is the reason why in every shul, there's always one kosher Jew that says Kaddish, along with all of the non-kosher Jews that are not saying it. There's always at least one guy. Why? Because everyone that's saying Amen, in reality, they may not realize it, but they're saying amen to the kosher Jew, not to all the Mechalel Shabbat that are saying Kaddish to their uh, grandfather that died or something. Okay? So that's one. Second thing is, what if a person is not a Mechalel Shabbat? No, he, draw, he, he doesn't drive on Shabbat. He just, he likes the way he looks. He wants to look like a baby. He wants that baby skin. And he wants to shave, you know, we shave with the machine. Doesn't, uh, today's machines are better, but it's, it's, it's not smooth 
like the razor. Razor, mamash, makes your face look like a baby's butt. So he wants the baby's butt to be his face. Right? He wants to look all that. So he wants the razor. It says Kaddish. If he says Kaddish, are you allowed to say amen? Not allowed to say amen. Why? How do you know if he doesn't? You know. Everybody knows. All guys know who shaves with a razor. Once you look, once you know a person, not the first time. You just met the guy, you have no, no right to judge him. Once a person comes to Yeshua on a regular basis, you know. You know. You get to know people. You know. And people know who does, who doesn't, who, who not this, who that. Not allowed to say amen. You're not even allowed to count them for minyan. Not allowed to count them for minyan even. Why? Because a person has decided to go against divrei chazal. Be'ofen kavua in a, in a in, on a permanent basis, he has put himself in the same din as a mechalel shabbat, as an idol worshiper, as a person that's outside of Judaism. Why? Because this person has decided to go against the sages on a regular basis. What does it mean, regular basis? If he violated shabbat once, he can go back to being okay tomorrow. Why? He's like, oh no, I violated shabbat. This why I'm doing tshuva. If he ate not kosher, tomorrow he can do tshuva. He can do tshuva tomorrow. But if he's shaving with a razor, this is something that he does every day or every other day. It's not something he can just simply stop. It's simple to stop, but it's not something he's simply going to stop. Why? Because it's something that he's, it's a sin that he's making on a regular basis. Once a person has decided that a certain sin is going to be part part of his day-to-day life. He, listen, for me, I'm going to make the sin. Once you've decided that, you have removed, you yourself have removed yourself from Klali Slayer. Why? You're not allowed to say, I'm going to make this sin. You can't say, I'm going to make this sin, I'm going to live with it. With this sin, no. I'm going to try to do tshuva, that's one thing. You fail, that's one thing. But I'm going to make this sin, and uh, maybe one day I'll do something about it. No, you can't do such a thing. Once a person shaves with a razor, that's something that he does every other day. In some cases, if you're a wolf, uh, like many Sephardics, every day. So what happens is, is that now you are sinning against the Torah every day. You have a problem. So even something that we think is small, it's a big deal. That's also why... Even shaving with a machine, you have to be careful with because you have to make sure that the machine itself is kosher. Go to koshershavers.org or .com and it tells you which ones are kosher shavers. Most importantly, it tells you if your shaver is, uh, is uh, not kosher, it tells you how to make it kosher by breaking off the, the lift technology. Either way, Rabotai, it's very, very easy, very easy to lose our share in the world to come, unfortunately. Because it world to come is a big deal. And you want it. So anything that's a big deal is hard to attain. It's hard to attain. But the good news is that Hashem has a lot more patience than me. And a lot more patience than anyone. And He's going to give us a chance. And another chance. And another chance. And another chance to do tshuva. Another chance to do tshuva. Another tshuva. But at least do something. Don't stay the same golem for uh, five years. Keep doing something. Get better, get better, get better, get better, get better. And the things that you're not good at, say, okay, Khatano Avinu Pashana, I have to get better on this. Don't like deny it. Don't, no, 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 I'm a tzaddik. You know how much money I donate? No, no, I'm a tzaddik. You know uh, how I, I did it? Look. Don't count yesterday's uh, profits. 
It's yesterday. Today. What about today? What about today? And this Rabotai is just the first part. Tomorrow, Bezat Hashem, we'll do the other three, unless you have any, any other thing. Amos? Amos usually has one or two. Amos is good today? Well, no, it's Amos. Last thing I want to ask. Go ahead. It says that we should love the biggest Lashah in Klal Yisrael, like Akadosh I mean, the biggest Tzaddik in Klal Yisrael, like Akadosh Baruch Hu loves the biggest Lashah. Mm-hmm. So if he does any, like, Avela, Shevura, Knife, whatever he does, like, he does something. So, like, we can't disqualify him because he's just like. We're not disqualifying him, Hashem is. The, the, uh, if you look. Somebody comes to the shul, he does all the other work on the but he comes for one hour, once in two weeks to listen to the Torah. It means he does something, he just like, you know? The, it's not, it's not us. When, when a person, a person needs to know that there is rules in the Torah. It's not about hating him personally. It's hating the sins. But once a person sins against your father and spits in your father's face, if you still love him, there's something wrong with you. That means you don't love your father. So Hashem writes in, at the end of Parashat Vayet Hanan that Meshalem mitzvotav He pays his lovers. He pays his lovers, and, which are the keeper of his mitzvot, for a thousand generations. A thousand generations. Ve'el son'av meshalem el panav le'avido. But for his haters, which means the opposite of his lovers, he pays them to their face. Why? To destroy them. Yeah, but people just follow people like Avav Moshe, Avital from Shuvah Yisrael, and the brother of Avav Pinto, there was a guy coming to Shabbat, every Shabbat with two phones. Look here and here. Mm-hmm. Two phones, every Shabbat. They didn't tell him nothing. Then after a few years, the guy became a huge, huge Baal Shuvah and has oil and everything. And like, if we're not going to look at the good side of the Jews, like Morabi Ochanan, she's taken a Rabbi Rish Lakish, told him, you have to look at the good side because any Jew can do a Shuvah in every second and say, Moshe and in one second, God will accept him. So who are we not to accept somebody because he's shaped? It's not about, it's not, a, it's not about who are we to accept or not accept. The sages, the sages say, what does Hashem say. Hashem says that a person that does not shomer mitzvot, a person that violates Shabbat, Hashem says, twelve times. A person that's a mechalel Shabbat, Hashem said, not, not we said, not Yaron Ruven said, not uh, anyone. Hashem said, doesn't make a difference. Does doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference what he has. The fact that he has pretty eyes does not make it, or that he's generous, does not make it okay for him to steal. Okay? So now, in Parashat Kitisa, Parashat Kitisa, chapter 31, verse 12, 13, 14, 15. It says, Moshe First verse, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, saying, now you speak to the children of Israel, saying, however you must observe my Shabbat, for it is a sign between me and you for your generations to know that I am Hashem who makes you holy. So Chazal says over here, Hashem says, Shabbat is the sign, meaning that's the agreement between me and you. The Gemara says that what does it mean that's the sign? 
when a person keeps Shabbat, he is the sign, he is the witness that Hashem created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. Yeah, but you weren't there. Yes, but I'm testifying by me keeping Shabbat that I don't have to be there. I trust Hashem's word. He created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. But what if I don't? What if I drive on Shabbat? Then the Gemara says, then that person is like a person that's running in the middle of the streets, screaming at Hashem, I don't believe in you. You didn't create anything. I created myself. He's Paro. Why? He drove on the car, but he's a nice guy. You know how much money he gave? You know, how he's such a good looking guy. He's so funny, he makes everybody laugh. He puts tefillin on his head, on his arms, on his legs, on a, on a toes, everywhere has tefillin. He's full of tefillin. Doesn't make a difference. He screamed to my father in heaven, I don't believe in you. So you know what? I don't believe in you either. You don't believe in my father? I don't believe in you either. And that's why the verse continues and says, Ushmartem et Shabbat ki kodesh i lachem mechaleleah mot yumat so now let's explain this verse. Hashem says the following. He says, You shall observe the Shabbat for it is holy to you. Its desecrator shall have death upon death, for whoever does work on it shall be cut off from among its people. So now, what does it mean? Now death, you can only die once in life. You can only die once in life. Everyone knows. Now, so Chazal explained like Vodo said, a person that dies has motyumat, din karet, has dies early in this world, and has no share of the world to come. What does it mean, have no share of the world to come? Gemara Maseret Rosh Hashanah, page 17a, says he goes to Genom, the seventh level, and never ever leaves. Mashiach comes, Mashiach comes, other Gehenom gets closed. His Gehenom doesn't get closed. He stays there forever. That's Din Karet. That's Din Karet, Rabotai. Now, okay, he died twice. He died here, he died there. Okay, but what's the cutoff from the nation? What's the cutoff? He died already. How can you cut off somebody that's not part of you? No. As soon as he died, that's a different story. But while he's here and is a Mechalel Shabbat, He's not considered part of the nation. He is cut off from the nation. He's no longer considered part of Judaism. He's no longer considered part of Am Yisrael. You cannot counter for Minyan. You cannot say Amen for his Kaddish. If he touches your wine, you have to throw it out. You cannot use him as a witness for your wedding. You cannot be involved in any holy Jewish event. Do you understand? That's the, it's a big deal. Well, you want me to love him? No. Well, I love him. I'm trying to love him. I'm trying to tell him that he, that he gets, get yourself together. Look what kind of trouble you got yourself into. You're considered an enemy of Hashem. Hashem. Who wants to be an enemy of Hashem? Who wants to be an enemy of Hashem? Yes. Ken. Ken. So this is in Parashat Vayet Hanat. Do 
each person needs to know that the stories that we have in the Torah are not just stories because of stories. They're stories to teach us a few things. Number one, everyone that's righteous has a difficult life. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, David, Shlomo, everyone that's mentioned in the Torah had a terrible life according to our standards of what we think good life is. All of them had a difficult life. Moshe, Moshe, everybody thought he was stealing the wives, stealing the money. Avram, they threw him in the fire. Yitzchak, uh, his father tried to kill him. Yaakov <laughs> lost his son for 20-something years. Everybody had a nightmare life. Right, Yosef and Jill. So the king, everybody had a difficult life. Everybody had a difficult life. Difficulty does not change anything. It's actually required to have a difficult... Difficulty is required in order for you to get to your goal. So that's one. Second thing is, is to show us that we cannot use it as an excuse for not being the full potential of us. We can say, listen, I was born in a secular family. That's why I'm not Avraham Avinu. Well, Avram Avinu was not only born in a secular family, his father was the Walmart of idolatry. His father was sold all the idols for Walmart over there. His father, Terach, sold the idol. He had a Walmart of idols. So what, but Avram Avinu was the Avram Avinu. Rivka, our brother was Lavan. Does it get worse than Lavan? Does it get worse than it's the grandfather of Bilam? Lavan, the worst person on earth, is our brother. Shiduch comes, where she, he tries to kill him. Shiduch comes. No, I want to... You know, my boss, he's rich. He wants to marry your sister. Okay, come, come, come eat us. He tries to kill him. He tries to kill Eliezer. Shiduch. So what are you going to say? You got a the worse brother than him? So that's the thing. So a person needs to know, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. Why? Because Rivka still find a way, found a way to be Rivka. Kodesh. She still was modest. She still was Kodesh Kodeshim. Avram still found a way to be Kodesh Kodeshim inside the fire that Nimrod sent him to. Inside the fire, he was saying Shema Yisrael. Inside the fire. Inside the fire. But it hurts. No, it doesn't hurt. Why? Shema Yisrael. I have a Shem. So a person cannot say, oh, the generation Reshaim, Reshaim. Reshaim. Of course, it's the first time they have 